What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Real Reality Realness with Sean Ellis Rogers, the podcast where I, your host, Sean, dive deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary and replace stand culture with the protocol of the Human Resources Department. Join me five days a week as I dissect your favorite shows while getting to know my favorite content creators and personalities through their connections to reality TV. Lock in while I clock in, because we are about to get into it. Welcome and welcome back to the show. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Sean Ellis Rogers, and I put the mess in the message. I am so excited to have my guest on today. They are a podcaster, Bravo Liberty expert. They are a consultant and specialist on all things HCU, and I cannot wait to get to know them better. Ladies, gentlemen, and every gender or lack thereof in between, Welcome me and joining to the show, Giorgio Talkanakis. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. That was like probably the best intro for a podcast I've heard, actually. I'm gonna be on. Yeah, no, yeah, no, this is exciting. Thanks for having me on. Of course, thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much. So my first question is just a check-in. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How's your mental health? Your eyebrows are stunning, so you look amazing. Thank you. No, you know, it's a good it's a good time to check in, I think. It's the end of the year, so obviously like you start naturally thinking about your journey in the last year, right? Cuz it's coming to a close and trying to figure out did I kind of accomplish some of the things that I set out to do? Um I'm doing well. I'm I'm very just I'm ready for a little bit of a break it just always feels like december gets to be like a bubble and you just feel like you're just running on a hamster wheel and then it's christmas and then it goes into like dead january and then you're just waiting for like spring summer so it's 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 going good i'm very grateful and blessed because you know there's so much going on especially like travel right now is being restricted for people because of like this winter vortex situation like currently there's like a windstorm of some sort going on outside but um <laughs> yeah but other than that I cannot complain it's been it's been pretty good overall what about you I am feeling blessed yeah. I'm feeling very blessed I'm feeling very grateful I'm feeling very humble um, I feel like there's just a lot of new opportunities a lot of new things that are happening for me going into the new year and I'm really excited about all the things that are coming up and the things that I'm doing and, you know, having, you know, just just all the things that I've been able to do since this podcast has started. It's been, you know, as the year is closing, you know, you get into that reflective state, like you were saying, and, 
you know, you you just kind of start thinking back. And this is like one of the first years, like I've, I've like ended the year feeling really just in a great place. Like mm-hmm. I'm in a really good place. I'm really happy. I feel very fruitful. I feel very optimistic. And I, I just feel really, really good. I feel really, really optimistic. That's the word. That's great. I mean, I feel like everyone's getting to a point where they're starting to open up a little bit and see that they can like kind of do what they want to do in terms of like how they want to like live or if they want to start something they can do that obviously the internet has changed so much tiktok's changed the game so people are i think are starting to really get a handle of their footing in this new normal if you will because obviously the pandemic kind of forced us into this like you know place of like solitude where you had you had no other thing you had no other things to do other than focus on yourself and all the crap that you hadn't been dealing with, right? So I think three years later, we're, we're coming up on a year where I think people are a little bit more confident mm-hmm. in making decisions and not feeling like, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like if they wanna travel, they'll book travel and not be worried that something, you know, some other form of pandemic's going to hit, you know, because a lot of people have had, had anxiety about traveling, you know, after the pandemic. But I feel sure. like things are starting to feel like more normal like I feel like people can go and socialize even though I've talked to a couple people who still are getting the hang of socializing again because it's been like so long that they feel awkward at social gatherings now which is like odd to like see all these different anxieties come out from like the pandemic but I think it's swinging in the right direction I think 2023 I mean numerology wise it's it's seven so it's it's supposed to be like really you know it's supposed to be a good one yeah yeah yeah. i mean look i'm not expecting everything in the moon and back but i just i like don't pick me for any other like challenges on i just want to sit this one out (laughs) (laughs) i want to be a friend of this season yes like let me (laughs) just want to show up yeah 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 pop up and play with the girl one thousand percent i don't need to be full-time this season i'm good yep absolutely (laughs) Before we jump into all of the mess and the Bravo celebrities and the HCU, what is the most important thing that you're taking out of 2022 into 2023? Hmm, that's a good question. I think for me, it's um, speaking my mind more. I think I've been. I think the one thing I learned through the pandemic was I was a people pleaser. And I equated that to being kind, but what it was doing was just draining me because I was just constantly like not thinking about my energy, my space and allowing people to just kind of, I don't know. I think for me, it was like, I started to build confidence and being able to speak up for myself in situations or properly defend myself. If that makes sense, where like, you know, sometimes you're in certain situations and you usually would not speak up because it's just easier not to sometimes. But I found that that has been something I've been able to strengthen through the pandemic. So that's been good. And I think being, you know, having a podcast helps with that because you feel like you you have a voice somewhere, even if it's just your own space to like be able to do that, I think really kind of um exercises that a little bit more because you're 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 already doing it so you can apply it to other areas where you're maybe not and create some boundaries you know 
I absolutely love that perspective because I am probably carrying the opposite into 2023. I think for me, I've always been somebody who has been very outspoken and very like, I have to get this out. The message has to be heard. But I was kind of raised an activist. Mm-hmm. So I, so like I've been raised to use my voice my entire life. So I've been, you know, speaking out about things my entire life. And I think I'm taking into 2023, protecting my peace a little bit. Like I'm protecting mm. just like learning when to step back, learning that I don't have to say everything, not everything of the message, like learning when to just let other people do what they're supposed to do. And I have to chime in on everything just because I have an opinion. Because totally. sometimes it's more so protective of me. It's like, sometimes I just don't want to, di- like, I just don't want smoke that day. Yeah. I just don't. Someday totally. I and that's, I mean, that's, like that's an honest feeling. I mean, some, that's, a, I think a lot of people feel that way. They just don't want to say it. Cause sometimes it sounds like you're self-absorbed in some way that you don't want to, you, you don't want to have empathy. It's not that you don't have empathy or compassion even. I think it's just a matter of protecting your space. Yeah, and I can't give you something that that I can't give to myself. So if I can't be empathetic to my own mental health and know when to pull back, then I can't be empathetic to you and your BS on my timeline. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%, because no one's doing this. It's not being reciprocated always either. It's always one person that's doing more of it and the other person's getting the most out of it. And so... I give and give and give and you just take and take and take. Yeah, it's very that. Mm-hmm. But let's go back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. When did you fall in love with reality TV? Um, I think if we're gonna go all the way back, it was probably Please. the Real World, the very like the one with uh, Tammy Roman and um, that group. And I think for me, I was more. So I was always fascinated with entertainment. So uh, Kevin Aquan was like this like makeup artist who I was obsessed with when I was a kid. And Icons. my sister uh, was doing some modeling back then. So I would go along with her. And so I kind of was around the glitz and the glamour of it, if you will. But I was very interested. I mean, obviously the finished product, the photo, the shot is amazing. But it was more about the process for me, like what it took to get that one picture, if you will, and what is what does all of it entail? It was just very eye-opening. So I got very attached to that world. And then Real World came out and, you know, I, in my head, I was like, oh, I, I, I feel like I would fit into this industry, like entertainment, because, you know, my personality fits the mold and I just felt in my instinct that even as a like young kid, I felt like I belonged in a space that was like in entertainment of some kind. I just didn't know what it was. I wasn't an actor and I wasn't a singer and it was just like, but then the real world came out and it was just like, holy shit, <laughs> these are just regular folks and there's cameramen just following them. Like I could do that. Like that's interesting. And then it just went from that into like, well, how does this work? Like, are y'all just, literally being followed all day is this real real or how does it (laughs) and so I just went down that rabbit hole and then I think when Laguna Beach in the hills came out I then really got I was like you couldn't tell me anything I was like a part of that group or you know what I mean like it was a lifestyle it wasn't just a reality show we all knew in the back of our heads that it was probably fake 
but we didn't care. But we, and we were we were just on the journey. We wanted Kristen Cavallari to come back, and she did. And then they painted her as this big bitch, and then we loved it. And it's just it's just the whole thing of the marketing, the branding, the all of that just kind of like I immersed myself in it probably obsessively in a time period where nobody would have gotten it either like people still didn't understand at the time like why people cared so much about a stupid reality show and then you had like the simple life which was like more comedic and clearly more on the pre-produced side and then you had the kardashians and then so on and so forth so when housewives came out it was very much I mean, obviously the original concept was following these lives of these affluent women that live behind the gates, right? But they're they're not celebrities. They're everyday women that just have this lifestyle. And what does that really look like? So following the theme of like the Desperate Housewives scripted show, which was the inspiration, which I actually loved that show and was very obsessed with it as well. That I think just opened up the floodgates because I was like, well, then this means you could pick any niche group of people and create content around them and their experiences and it's entertaining. Yes, it's fluffed and I'm totally fine with it not being 1000% real in the sense of like, this actually happened on Tuesday at 1210. It wasn't a, we didn't sit down and rehab the conversation in front of the camera. That stuff I don't care about, but like, even recently, like the more and more they break the fourth wall, that makes me like, so yeah, happy. it gets me tingly and then <laughs> excited. Like I can't tell you a hot mic moment, a weird, awkward, like when Ashley was filming that fight in the sprinter van back from the bar where you couldn't see anything. You could just hear, I love shit like that. Whereas other people would be like annoyed cause it's not polished or whatever. But I just like the documenting of things and experiences and then taking something from it, whether it's entertainment or, I mean, I have to say the housewives have taught me a lot about conflict resolution and being okay with going through something really bad with someone that you may not think you've come back from, but because they're forced to try to resolve it, you look at it like, well, if they can still be cordial after that, then maybe I can revisit some of my situations too. So there's like all these different elements where you're just like, you pick up on things and then obviously you relate to some of them more than others you like them more this season next season you don't so it's fun and engaging and you start to realize they're just like normal people trying to figure the shit out too so they're just on spotlight you know what i mean so yes you are after my gay heart i swear because the real world los angeles season two was the is the only season of the real world that i remember it's mm-hmm. the only season because I was a road rule babe, right? Mm-hmm. So y'all were watching the real world. That's great for y'all. Love y'all. Love y'all stepping strangers. But I was on the road doing the challenges with yeah. the kids. Okay, I was out here in these streets. Mm-hmm. So that, so like, I just, just see, the real world Los Angeles is the only season that I remember because it was so much real shit happening in one season. Like actively going back today and seeing Tammy Roman dealing with body dysmorphia, getting her jaw wired shut so that she could lose weight, having an abortion on television, that whole thing with the dragging of the blanket and the... That's when real conversations were happening. You know, that was like on the span of like the end of the 90s where everybody was just like going through something 
and they were openly discussing it, whether people agreed with it or not, but they were still talking about it, which I think is fascinating to look back on. Like, it was like the end of the 90s was just one big cry for help. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like, eh, like, eh, like, everybody was just like, listen, girl, I ain't got it together and we need to get through it it together because (laughs) 1999 is coming and when the year 2000 is coming, we all finna go up out of here together. So we may as well fix this shit now. So true. And then at midnight, we all went back amongst our messy ass lives in the year yeah. 2000. So. Yeah, there was no Y2K. As much as oh, a lot of people were well. like, I hope they do pull the plug on this shit because I'm done. Like, well, nope, you still got to go Some to work. Some of us wanted them to shut down the Matrix so bad. Some of us wanted them to shut down the Matrix so bad. They was like, girl, I need a day off, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you're just tired. You're just like, yeah, I could take another something yeah, keep me in the house. <laughs> Yeah, child, me at nine years old was exhausted during Y2K. I was exhausted. I was traumatized, troubled, and I was just done. I had People no don't more realize the amount of anxiety and stress that was put on children, like, in that time period, like, in, in grade school, even. Because they were talking about it in school, too, because all the kids would hear it from their parents, so everybody was just gassing each other up to be like, alright, maybe not see you, you know, after the school break. You know what I mean? So it was just this big build-up yeah. for nothing. Yeah. And then it happened and again they... in, like, 2020... Was it 2016 where they said that the Mayan calendar... Yeah, the Mayan calendar was gonna flip and the world was gonna end again, and I was like, girl, okay... Like, girl, okay. But then in the I pandemic, they said answer. that we got it wrong and that it, the Mayan calendar is like, or that our calendar is behind. So it actually happened when the pandemic hit. And that's why I don't, there's so many theories. <laughs> yeah. Child, I, I'm just like, well, we see how that worked out for y'all. But all's well that ends well. Of course. Um, But yes. Um, speaking to Laguna Beach in the Hills, it was just the cinema, the soap opera, the drama, the stairs, the single black mascara <laughs> tear. Like it is like they, there will never be no. anything like the first five seasons of the Hills. There will never be another moment in time like that. Can we just first of all the trailers? Oh. First of all, it's those the were the best for trailers for reality shows ever. Because the they were shot with climax, movie the audio like editing, the footage of like the like the car drive. It's just like intense and like they're yes, like nineteen. Like, I, <laughs> the the crap when you look back at the crap that they were actually fighting about were just like drunken nights out with your group of friends as if there would be cameras there and they just embellished it and made it like these people were like full-blown celebrities and on the cover of Us Weekly like it was for real. Rolling Stone like it was like what? And I'm Whitney Port just sitting at Teen Vogue like really? Like that's what y'all doing over there at the party? Remember Getting paid to Whitney not be in the own like really? Spin off the city? It- incredible and I thought she was the perfect one to get it because she like I that's the Whitney Port had the ultimate role in reality TV that I would want to play I would be the one that would be sitting over there with the star of the show giving her all the advice playing the best friend out just slightly outside the circle right on the outskirts (laughs) of all the mess and the drama but getting paid just as much as all you have for all the mess y'all over there doing 
just to turn every so often and be like, show up at the club every now and again and be like, really? Yeah. You know what I miss though is the awkward stare, staring silence. (laughs) It just it made everything so much more intense. You're like, oh my god, she really hates Audrina. Yeah, like it was this drama, and then it just cuts to commercial. Like they're just like, or it'll be the end of that episode, and then it pans out of Los Angeles, and they're playing like a new song that just came out. Yes, I learned where all the new music was, by the way, from watching The Hills. I was like, "What is this song?" And then MTV would tell you what it was. Remember, and they would be like, "They were like, play it in the thing." Yeah, they had everything covered. Panic at the Disco, like, it was just everybody, oh, shout out to Natasha Bedingfield. I'm sure she's rich as fuck. That song? I would, she probably didn't even think anything of it, too. She probably was just like, okay, yeah, you can use this song for your little stupid reality show. Sure, why not? And and and, and now it's the song that she's absolutely known for. (sighs) So, yes. Yeah, but... You know, those shows kind of led me to Housewives, obviously. But Housewives, I think, really just was like... I think it was the most relatable because it could be anybody. Be anybody. And it just felt like... And then as franchises came out, it became more and more of a thing. I was like, wow, this is really something. Like, this is turning into, dare I say, another Hills kind of encapsuled where it breaks out of its own bubble because like I think with Beverly Hills in the last couple seasons that franchise alone has put Housewives on a map of like it's talked about on a broad level now where I think even five years ago a lot of people were still like what's Housewives you know what I mean and now it's like oh yeah Housewives I don't watch it but I know about it or I've heard about it or I know about Erica Jane or I know about Jen Shaw or so it's just herself She's been acting, she's been a model, she's been famous for 30 years. She's never mm-hmm. been more famous in her life. Isn't that wild? And that is buck wild. It's crazy, the amount, and when you listen to her story, I forget the name of the show that uh, Laverne Cox does on E! Now, but she uh, sat down with her. Yeah. And I was I fascinated name, because show. obviously Garcelle came up in a different time period. There wasn't social media and all this stuff. So you literally had to go drive around and wait at receptionist desks in hopes that they could connect you, right? That's changed the game in terms of like what period we're in now. But it's just interesting. She's worked so hard as an actress and done so many amazing iconic things. And then she gets on Housewives for a few seasons and she's like booked, 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 booked. Like she's like, she can't even keep up with, which is a blessing, but it's just interesting that reality TV is taking more budgets more branding marketing than some movies in the early 2000s yeah and it's crazy because we've kind of seen that happen with i think the first real wave of that was nene leaks mm-hmm. when she got her teeth done she chopped she, she um chopped her hair short dyed it blonde and then we got coach rob and she was very rich bitch mm-hmm. very that Oh, we saw a whole different person of her. Like, like that was the first time we saw a reality star in this day and age kind of like bloom into a superstar. We hadn't really seen that since Tiffany Pollard. No, no, that's right. Then next thing you know, Nene comes on the scene and they're done and it's the teeth and it's the and it's it's, it's a thing. And then 
we didn't really kind of see that happen again until Lisa Renna was talking about it when she joined Beverly Hills and she was saying, Harry Hamlin doesn't have to take another job he doesn't like in his life. I'm making more money than I've ever made. I'm richer than I've ever am. I've sold more dusters in the past year than I've sold in the past 10. That My book she wrote 10 years ago went back to number one it. on Amazon too. That one that she wrote in the 90s, it was like The one that taught her wild. kids how to do blowjobs. It's wild. It's so crazy. And that's why I think so many people now are so thirsty to get on the shows, which is yeah. good and bad because then you get people that like pre-produce themselves or they've watched Housewives to a point where they mimic or try to mimic other iconic things that have happened or create their own iconic moments. And that to me is just, the viewer is also very smart. The Bravo viewer is very smart. Like I think a good portion of them should work for the CIA. Yes, honestly. <laughs> honestly, and I'm probably one of them, but I ain't gonna put myself out there like that. But um, that leads me to a question though. Do you prefer old housewives versus new housewives because I think that that shift that we're talking about happened when Beverly Hills came out mm -hmm. because Beverly Hills was the first season that was wrapped in people who were semi-famous semi-recognizable we were supposed to know who they were kind of already with the with the um Richard sisters mm -hmm. with Faye Resnick being a friend the morally corrupt Faye Resnick and you know Adrian Maloof and you know uh Camille Grammer, we were supposed to basically know who these people were already. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know what this says about my character, but I'll let you be the judge. The, when when Beverly Hills started, the only person I knew on the show was Faye Resnick. Because I had read her book. I think that was a majority of people, actually, because, well, some people knew of Camille, not who she was and because she wasn't really anybody she was just Kelsey's, Kelsey's wife, wife. Yeah. but Kyle I knew who she was I wasn't really too familiar with Kim because Kim was kind of like well she was having alcoholic issues so I wouldn't have seen her but mm -hmm. um I obviously knew of Kathy because I was like around the whole Paris and Nicole Richie phase so sure. I only know Kyle, though, because I only remember her from popping up on some of Paris Hilton's little reality shows here and there. And, and it was okay. clear to me as well that, you know, when I saw Beverly Hills, that Kyle was like, ah, it made sense because it was like she was she was like the one sister that didn't really have the notoriety. And this was like her show. Like she was the one her that thing. helped facilitate it. She got with production. She helped cast it. She helped recommend people for it. So this was her thing. So now it's just been an interesting trajectory. So to answer your question, the, like the old versus the new, I think I like the hybrids. I like mm. where there's the old school housewife mentality of conflict and resolution, but I also appreciate the newer voices that are joining that are challenging some of the older, uh, ideas that some of the housewives like Vicky Gunvalson's a good example of that where it's like she needed to be brought down seven million pegs because her ego had inflated to a point where she was talking down to people she wasn't considering her tone and you know the list goes on and yeah. on but there's many examples of that throughout all the franchises 
where you see some of the old mindsets of housewives getting pushed out with new mindsets of what they would like to see. And the viewer is looking to evolve with the times and you got to change the show up to be able to meet those demands. Otherwise, you're not going to get the viewership that you were getting. So that's why Beverly Hills does harp on scandal and like that because they know as much as people will complain and say, fire this one, get rid of her. I'm not watching anymore. No, you're going to tune in on Wednesday because all the clips that they purposefully leak out early are to rev you up. Like I talk about, like I talk on most of it. So I know when they slip stuff up, it's like, why are you showing this now? This is a big key moment in the episode. You're trying to rile people up so that they do. So it's like, it's a manipulative tactic in some, and then some franchises are more, you can tell they're not marketing it as much. Salt Lake City is one example of that. Married to Medicine is another. Yeah. It's unfortunate because it seems like they sleep on like Bravo was just catching up to their most popular franchises right because like people just realized that Potomac was that girl in season four so late where y'all been so for me it's like all this new love for for Potomac like I'm like side eyeing everyone and I'm like y'all y'all so fake because I've been around since day one when the first season wasn't shit Okay. I was yeah, and I was around for when the logo, the tag for it was where is where is Potomac? What's Potomac? Where is Potomac? Like, what is Potomac? That was their whole yes. marketing thing, and it was genius because people they caught on to it. And yes, people were very late to it because I think people didn't really understand what Potomac was and why they needed to watch. Again, it's not. I don't watch the show based on the city so much. Same. It's not really about that for me. It's about the the vibe of the group of women. Like, I don't really, right. if you took the city name out of the show, it wouldn't matter to me. Like, I wouldn't care. I agree, because I have no connection to Utah. I don't know nothing about Salt Lake City, and I don't like cold weather. So there's nothing <laughs> that is connected to me to know Salt Lake City. But I am diametrically obsessed with with Salt Lake City. Like, I, like it's a little, like, I feel like it's unhealthy how much I'm obsessed with Salt Lake City. It's, they're, they're just, they're all a mess in their own way. They're yeah, all in such their a own good show. That, this is what I think. I think they're all on their own show, on the show. Like they're all yeah. performing individually <laughs> all the time. And that's why it's so chaotic. The only issue that they're, they're running into is they're obviously, Jen didn't go to the reunion. So then, you know, you have that. And so I don't know what they're going to do for the seasons going forward with this group. But I do think they need to shake up the dynamics because it's reading, at least based on feedback I'm getting from when I talk about it, people are not watching it as much because they feel like it's so overly produced on the housewife's behalf. Like they feel like they're just purposefully trying to start like this whole black eye with Heather. Who punched you, Heather? Just tell us so we can move on. Like, clearly it wasn't no big deal being a twin called the police. Well, and that's the other thing. It's like, well, if this was a real assault, you guys are really going to sit here and let this keep... I would be, like, all day with it. Like, Heather. No, Heather, for real. Who hit you? 
Like I wouldn't let it go. Like, like, like girl, what the fuck is going on? Like what's like like girl, what happened? Why is your eye black? Like 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 why you got like girl and then on top of that, like girl, Whitney, your cousin, like girl, I would have lost my shit. Did you hear me? The, I think the thing I, is Whitney girl, what the fuck happened knows to you? it was Jen. It was Jen. Everybody it was an knows. accident, like, a drunken accident, but even still, like how did you fall into a who scratched you then? You wake up with a black eye and the first person you call is Jennifer Shaw. I know, isn't that interesting? To figure out, like, Jennifer Shaw of all people? It didn't make that sense. Would be the per- like, I would have thought she was the one that punched you in the face. Like, like she would be the first one, I would think. Yeah, but the, the weird thing was, like, Jen always has something to say in this last episode. She was the most quiet, as quiet, Jen- just sitting there being like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She She's like the one that me. pointed out to Heather that she had scratches on her back because Heather didn't even tell her that. She was like, how are the scratches on your back? So you did know some, you oh, do know something. Oh, because I can thing. see my nail polish in your wounds. So, uh, but uh, yeah, girl, I can see my nail polish in your wounds, girl. My bad, I'm sorry. Just like, come on though, but production's gonna let this drag out for two episodes, really? Like, I would, like, this, like, this is the, this, Listen, I've been having a hard time watching this season, not even because of the overproduction. Well, actually, yes, because the first episode was so hard to get through. Like, it felt like it was three hours long. I was exhausted after the first episode, and I didn't pick it up since. I've been watching clips and... Thank God for Instagram. Y'all have been keeping me up on everything going on everywhere. Cause I I have not. I was like, girl, that is exhausting. I had to take a nap after that first episode. And I was like, this is too much. Y'all got way too much going on with no substance. And I don't have time for that. The issue with that was there was a big portion of the beginning of the season that had to be cut out because uh, Jenny and the whole like trying to figure out Mary's church. They started filming that season, I think last October. I completely forgot about that. And they cut out all that because they also sat down with Jenny after the Facebook post became live. Jen Meredith confronted Jenny, uh, allegedly based on what Jen said. And there's a lot of stuff that got cut out, obviously, because Jenny's no longer on the show and they didn't want to have to explain that, I guess. So they just jump right to Jen and Meredith being friends again. And then you see Lisa meeting Heather and all of it, the Heather and Lisa meeting, you can tell was forced by production. Yes, God. Like, and and like Heather basically said it in her confessional. She was like, girl, you know, it's something up when Lisa Barlow was scraping the bottom of the barrel to call me for help. Yeah, because it was forced. They were like, this is the only way you're going to be able to try to work through this is if you go through Heather, because Heather can at least try to help you. You need to find a connection. I know how those producers are thinking over there. They're trying to keep their job, but at the same time, they need to really dig beneath this, like, like this black eye. I would have gotten right to it or I would have cut out the whole story because it was just like, this is not going to take up three episodes, guys, because they already filmed the reunion. So how many more episodes are we getting? That would have just been left for a question on Twitter and 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 at the reunion. Why was Heather wearing sunglasses for two episodes? Like, what happened? Like, I would have just let y'all speculate because I would have just cut that bullshit out. I'd have been like, girl, y'all not going to say what happened. So we going to make y'all look crazy enough to where y'all going to sit here and have to tell it. Jennifer well, Shaw punched me in the face. Also, the um, 
just the whole back and forth of the conversation like I just it was just annoying it was like what five whole minutes of them going back and forth about like well Heather first saying I don't recall and then saying no I do know everyone here knows no one wants to talk about it but I'm not going to talk about it so it's just like okay I don't know what this is all about but bigger fish to fry <laughs> like, right seriously Ciao. Do you remember the moment, the episode, or the season that you decided to start your podcast? Yes, but in my head, there's two answers to this. Um, <laughs> sure. There was, yes, there was a moment, I think, when, and I don't recall if it was season two of Atlanta. At any rate, I remember at that point, I was like, you know what? Because I had already started to see locally people in like the Washington Post, they would do like online, they would do, someone was doing, and I was trying to figure out who, what her name was so I could try to go back and look for them. But nonetheless, she would do like very small recaps of not all the shows, but like she would do one, I think of Atlanta, and I think when Beverly Hills came out, she started doing them for Beverly Hills. But they were very short and they were witty and had like a, a little bit of like a sarcasm because it's reality TV. So she was like, had this like tone to it. And at that moment in my mind, I was like, I could totally do this on a level that speaks just on the show and like focus on the show in my head. I didn't know it was going to be a podcast per se. But that was a long time ago and like my journey like took me a lot of different places before I landed here. And quite honestly, it wasn't until the pandemic that it really kind of clicked for me. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, mm -hmm. I, I'm ready to do this and, and stand out because it's like everybody also was doing it. So I think a lot of, for a long time, I was kind of, my self doubt was kicking in where it's like, okay, who, how many more, people in Queens do we need out here being like girl <laughs> this episode was what and it's like yeah I already spilling like, the I, tea I, I, yeah I consume this on a daily basis but part of that is and what I've learned is that we all consume each other's content and we're so devoted to what we do that it's like it's not about that because everybody wants to hear a different perspective on the same situation that I mean that's how I am and then I've learned that other creators are the same way it's like Everyone has their own little spin on it. Everyone's got their own little flavor. It's just like any type of content creation. It's like there, there's room for everyone's voice and opinion on it. And so that took a while. But I think the pandemic kind of forced it because it was just like, it's now or never. I totally agree with that. I think I kind of went through that process because before I was doing this podcast, I was doing a YouTube channel and it was a process for me to try to figure out what my niche was because I had very specific opinions. I had very um, uh, assertive opinions about certain things. And, you know, one of the things that I like to say about this show uh, um, is that I dive deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary because <laughs> I talk about a lot of things on the show, like one the on the shows that like people would just rather not talk about because they want escapism. And I'm like, mm, no. 
So, <laughs> but we need that, and, and, and we need that in specific situations where, like, on Potomac, where it's like right now there's a conversation amongst fans that are like we don't want andy to host the reunion we want someone who's qualified to have a real conversation with these women about the colorism and the things that only someone who would be able to have that conversation who's vetted and understands the experience andy's not the person and like so i posed that question honestly the other day on my TikTok because it's like who would you guys pick for this like this is a great question who would be the best person it was very interesting going through the comments i mean so many people had so many great people but it's a matter of is andy in a space where he's able to share the floor he did it last season with potomac i think he has an opportunity to do it again because there are this season in particular people are really rubbed very wrong with Mm -hmm. the behavior that is what most people say is blatant it's not like people are just picking little things apart like in the past seasons people would call them like oh you're just looking for issues but this time it's like no this This doesn't look right like yeah i don't know what you want to call it but it doesn't seem right it doesn't seem like it's balanced or fair based on and i'm going off your conviction if you're telling me you're against violence in any form and that's not what this is about but then you condone Violent, and I'm sorry, but throwing a drink at someone is violence. It's, it's violence, straight up. Not to be the like petty, like little like brat about it, but it's true. Just like if I'm being screamed at across the table, you're abusing me. I've never thrown a drink at somebody and expected it to be cute or funny. But and, and, and that's that. my point. There was no accountability <laughs> like, at Mia mm-hmm. for the behavior. Now Robin says there was, they just cut it out. And maybe that could be true. No, but and I'll tell you why. The majority of it was you guys were antagonizing Wendy as if she was the reason for this issue, just because. And it, and it, and when you say blatant, it's literally in the handling of the situation. When Monique whipped Candace ass, the reason why Giselle and Robin were so on Candace's side is because they did not like Monique. Mm-hmm. So the person who was doing the ass whipping, they were the person at fault. So so because it happened to be Monique, oh, we're staunchly on Candace's side, even though they don't even like Candace. They no. just wanted to get the girl off of the damn show. So they're going to jump onto her cry angle cry, uh, uh, train and mm-hmm. ride that to ice her off of the show. And in this season, because the person who got their ass which it was really a drink thrown on them, but I'm just saying for the context of the analogy, um, they don't like Wendy. So anything that happens to her, they're going to justify. But and they said that. They she said it in said her that. confessional. Robin was like, "I because the producer called her out, kind of, and was like, so, so you don't see how that's wrong? And she's like, I just don't like Wendy. And it's just like, oh, exactly. okay, there it is. There it is. <laughs> but like, even with the way that they handled Monique, Giselle started hiring security. I have I have no desire to be anywhere near you. The reason why is because you wanted to get her off of the show because she had more validation than you and she could have whooped your ass had you talked too much. But, <laughs> okay, Giselle can't fight and she can't dress. We all know that. So, so when it comes to this season, you're all for it. When, uh, Mia was justified to throw the drink when all she did, when all Wendy sat there and did was mind her damn business. 
All she did was mind her business. She literally said to Wendy, the only person I check in with is my husband. Which that I don't... is my business deal with Peter. How is that your business to speak on? What I do with Peter is my and my husband's business. That has nothing to do with you. All she did I was f- mind her business and she I had feel a like I walked I feel like I walked away from that episode really frustrated at the amount of people that were blaming Wendy. And I was like, yes. am I crazy? I went and rewatched it like three more times because I was like, did I, because mi- people, you know, sometimes people like to mix up the timeline of when Wendy said certain things. And I'm like, well, no, 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 no. She actually didn't say any of that until after the drink was thrown. And I'm so sorry, guys, but if you throw a drink at someone, all bets are off. Just like when you get in someone's face, all bets are especially, off. Especially when the whole conversation, the whole reason any of this happened was because Mia brought up Wendy's business deal with Peter. Like, that ain't your business. Peter literally said to her, I will talk to Wendy when I see her. And you decided to bring that up at the table for for a scene. Now, had Wendy got up and Nigerian donkey kicked your ass like a goat? Oh, it would have been, then it would have been a complete, you know they would have asked for her to be fired. They they would have totally, like, yeah. To my point. Giselle tried that shit last season with Candace at the reunion when the whole salad toss thing happened and she said to Candace, had had Mia would have popped you, I would have been like, why? Because they don't really like Candace. So she's the next one on the list. Wendy just happened to be the one that they could la- that they could latch on to. And yeah. the overarching theme of all of this just happens to be rooted in colorism. You can take the race part out of it and it still be just as wrong, but what makes it over the top and the nail in the coffin is the is the colorism aspect and the fact that these green-eyed heifers have consistently gone on attacks of different extremisms to the dark-earth-skinned women on the show. Mm-hmm. Giselle can sit here and banter back and forth with Karen all day long. She can go back and have this mutual respect for Ken, or for um Karen. She can have this understanding with Karen. Why? Because she's a closer proximity to her skin tone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But because but Monique came on the show, Wendy came on the show, Candace came on the show, and all of the attacks that she's launched against them have been like questioning the the paternity of Monique's son. Sitting here trying to say that Eddie was cheating on her, dragging rumors out of nowhere. Sitting here dragging a storyline about Brown Dick Bassett when you didn't even feel the need to bring this up to Candace. Not only did you not feel the need to bring it up to her off camera, but you didn't feel the need to bring it up to her on camera until Ashley said something that you could attach your story to to make it more valid. So you would have never brought this up had Ashley never tried to make Chris slide in her DMs at 2.30 in the morning a thing. But Robin shut that whole thing down when it was like, girl, he at work. Girl, he work at the W, sis. Like, okay, well, like, we need to mean? email Andy. It seems like you should be the one to really sit them because I think they need this type of accountability. Like how you're, because this is the thing. In all honesty, Andy doesn't do the follow-up. Like what you just did naturally, where it was like you waited for Ashley to say that so you could attach your little thing to it. That's a big piece that always seems to get left out with Giselle's scheming. It's not that she's not, listen, I get every show needs an antagonist and I'm fine with that. Lisa Ren is an antagonist, you need that. However, Giselle's not just an antagonist. She's trying to really like end you. Like she wants you feeling so shitty that you don't want to be back on the show. 
Yes, she's trying to ice people off of the show. Like she's running people off the show, and it's like, mm-hmm. girl, uh-uh, uh-uh. And and, and it's like it's the stuff be such a big reach. Like you plotting to question the paternity of somebody's son, like that's crazy to me. These cheating rumors with Eddie with no receipts, no proof. There ain't like the only rumor that we heard about Eddie cheating was what was what Giselle said on the show. We didn't see no blogs. I ain't seen no blogs. I ain't seen no DMs. I ain't seen no picture of Eddie in his drawers down to a hotel at 7.30 in the morning down to the Continental Breakfast. I didn't see none of that, right? All you saw was Giselle's mouth running the entire season. So we automatically was like, girl, take you and the rest of S Club 7 and reach your ass back to the back of the line with a new storyline. She's sloppy now. She's not doing yes. like she's not doing the due diligence, and she's definitely no Lisa Vanderpump because Lisa Vanderpump was clean and she got in and she got the fuck out and she came and was present and didn't keep making it obvious that you clearly have been waiting for this moment. Like that, why it, it was so offensive to Giselle, and it happened that evening. You clearly were uncomfortable that evening. Why didn't you just go right to Candace and be like, listen, I want to tell you about something that just occurred with your husband made me feel very uncomfortable. Nip it in the bud. Y'all were sitting there filming the reunion. You could have brought that up on camera. What? 1,000%. But she didn't. So she saved it in her back pocket in case I don't have anything else going on. I can bring this up. You know what I mean? I can bring this up later. works. So you're letting, but you're, but the, but that's what I mean by, like, to your point, you're so sloppy, like you're just letting it fall out all over the place, and you keep saying the reason why I felt the need to tell you was because Ashley had already said something about, you know, da 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 da, da and I felt like you were gonna brush it off if I would have just told you out of just, you know, when it happened. But it's yeah. like, girl, if you were so uncomfortable, if you need an apology, <laughs> you were gonna drag this as a whole storyline when Ashley let it go. Ashley found out that the man worked at the hotel. She was like, oh, okay, well, damn, I didn't know, my bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why So why did you not only feel the need to attach your story to Ashley's point, but then continue to drag it after her story got easily debunked? It's so blatant. That's what I think now is getting on people's nerves. I think that's also why they want a different host. I think they want to see more. Like, I think people really kind of got a taste of that with Nicki Minaj coming on and doing it because she kind of held their feet to the fire a little bit differently. But we need it, like, we need real, some real accountability on some of this stuff because otherwise it's just going to get people turned off. Viewers are going to get turned off. That's what happens. So the question that I have for Giselle is, why did you feel so comfortable saying that married men feel so comfortable sliding in your DMs? Like, why do you think that is? Why do you think that married men feel so comfortable sliding in your DMs? I'm confused. I mean, I wouldn't tell anybody that. Even if it was this, even if it was the truth, I wouldn't say it out loud because it would say something about me and my energy that I'm attracting. But she doesn't. Even- but she doesn't even think about that. She's she's thinking, oh, well, well, that's a justification for what I'm about to say about grounding passing. So, so, so she's not even thinking about how she's making herself look in the process of spew. She's just trying to get the tea out. She's just trying to get a storyline by any means necessary. And it's sloppy at this point. It's like, girl, you making yourself not only look like a stone cold hoochie, but she, she was you just on the it. Sherry show and she said something that made it very crystal clear to me whoever's giving her advice is like not good because she's like 
Sherry goes, "You have you guys been reading about all the the backlash basically that you guys are receiving for various things?" And Giselle was like, "No, because honestly, social media doesn't pay me, so therefore I don't pay it no mind." And it was like, "Oh no, she doesn't get it. She doesn't get how this works. She thinks she's she's separate." from the accountability because this is a TV show. TV show. Right. And so these are just crazy fans who are going to get emotional episode to episode. And it's like, no, there's more stuff rooted in it than that. It's not simply because we just didn't like your attitude. It was more about the behavior that you consistently put forward. It's not bad edit. I don't want to hear that. Not a bad edit, sis. I know they leave stuff out for context, but Giselle, you through and through have proven that you are willing to go as low as you need to go to keep your job. That's and then all. on top of that, Giselle has the mentality of an old school reality star. She has the mentality of uh, she has that that like Tiffany Pollard mindset where as long as the as long as the producers are happy, I have a job. Yep. Yep. She doesn't realize that in the age of social media, the fans can very much control your placement on the show because if we're not watching because of you, they will let go of your ass. You Absolutely. and your bad wig. Which, by the way, Giselle's supposed to wear... Giselle is supposed to be wearing go-naked hair now. Why do you think her hair still look a mess half the time? Because go-naked hair did wonders for Drew Sedora. Okay, I'm going to say something. I'm not going to say who this person's name is, but I am friends with someone that worked with Giselle. Okay, I live in Maryland, okay. so I... I so you in the mix. Yes. And so Giselle, I don't care for Giselle. And, and it's mainly because of her behavior. Even when she first got on the show, she had this attitude of like, uh, like, you know, very much like, so if you were her makeup artist, she would not be rude to you, but she wouldn't necessarily acknowledge you, if that makes any sense. Mm. So she would... She would treat you like the hell. Yeah, and so this this person worked with her for a number of times where it was very regular. I think even season two or three of Potomac where, you know, the makeup artist was even at the reunion. That's how much she was being used. However, and this was, this to me, in my opinion, is foul. I understand that these apps like Glam App and, you know, Glam Squad, you can hire someone for like, you know, $75 to come and and do your makeup for you. I totally think that's reasonable. That's fine. But when you're on a TV show and you're, you're past your first season and you're making a good coin, you pay the makeup artist their daily rate if you're going to keep them on staff. Do not go through these apps and be chintzy and make these people stand around for hours while they are only going to get 80% of that fee that you're paying through the app for. But then you continuously book them so that they are reserved and they have to accept it because technically it's a service, right? But it's those little things. So it was that, then not being credited for the makeup done for her book cover, then asking said makeup artist to help with every hue beauty and doing all these things to then for me to walk into Target stores and look at her little... Can I cuss on here? Absolutely, please. Okay. We encourage her. Fucking little side kiosk that they gave her. And it's like, nothing's there. The testers have shit all over it. It like didn't give two shits about her own 
business that on the show was like, we're gonna make sure it's for every hue, every hue beauty. But then you go into Target, there's nothing in stock. Everything's like, looks like garbage. The boxes are all like, like someone just came and returned it and just threw it back on the, sh like it was just awful. So the, the makeup artist stopped working with her because then it was also like Robin wanted to start using her. So then it would be like a, she felt like she was in the middle because she'd already said yes to Giselle and Giselle didn't want to share her. So it, and the, the interesting thing is my friend is on the darker complexion side. So she said that experience was very interesting. And this was before that colorism was being brought up on the show. She was telling me these little things like they'd be at a function and they'd be like, they would make comments like she would come dressed up to like, you know, these events. And they would be like, oh my God, you're like really pretty. Oh my God. So in her mind, she explained to me, because at first I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand where she was going with it. And then she explained what they were trying to basically say. Wow, for a dark skinned girl, dark -skin you look girl, pretty. You clean up good for a dark skin. Right, and that's what she said to me. And that's what was like, that's disgusting. Cause it's like, you're already gorgeous. like. Cause she is, she's naturally gorgeous. It's not like she had to put on that much of anything really. So just those types of comments over and over again, were like, it becomes toxic, you know? So it's like, and it she won't say a thing about it and that's fine, but I'm mouthier about stuff like that. Cause I can't stand when people treat others. Like, I just, I can't stand it. So I'm, I'm, and I haven't said it out loud. This is probably the first time I'm saying it, but I'm, I, I just can't stand the behavior. Honestly, it's so, it's just, it's dirty. And this is what I be talking about because people think that, oh, it's just behavior on the show. She's just turning up for the show. And I'm like, at the end of the day, what, what y'all got to realize is this is supposed to be a reality show. And what a reality show is a microcosm of actual reality, right? So you got to realize that a lot of the time when people act this way on the show for what seems to be no reason, imagine the type of shit that they'll do off camera. Do you get what I'm saying? And so yeah. just hearing stuff like that, it makes perfect sense to me. Like, it takes me back to a very specific moment at the beginning of the show when Wendy went to go hug um, Giselle. And oh. she was like, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. And somebody posted that clip on Instagram and I wrote in the comments, I was like, she looked like she wanted to call her a darkie so bad. Like, she looked like she wanted to just call her a darkie so bad and be like, don't touch, don't. Don't rub off on me. Like, it, and people were like, you're reaching for, for, for colorism so bad. You're reaching, you're reaching, you're reaching. And I'm like, girl, listen, I've been listening to S Club 7 for longer than you've been alive. Honey, I know about reaching, okay? The I, thing I, is, I think with that, with like, I think that's why Ashley made her post, not mm -hmm. super recently, but she had to come out because people were like, girl, say something. You're sitting in the middle of this and you're not, you don't see it. You don't see how this is coming off. And she finally but was see, like, that is, is not me. You know, I don't see, behave the, but, that way. But that's not the message, girl, because you coming out and saying that you're not a colorist doesn't change the fact that the shit that y'all do on the show is colorist. At the end of the day, you can do colorist shit and not be a colorist. Those are two, those are not mutually exclusive things. So you coming out and saying that you're not intentionally being colorist doesn't absolve you of the accountability of being colorist. At the end of the day, you you need to talk about what's happening, not about what you are. Mm -hmm. Because we can we can take that, 
But you still have to talk, like, I would be more willing to believe that you're not a colorist if you're willing to acknowledge, hey, this did look a certain way, but my intention was not that. Here's where, here's where I was going with that, but I see how it looked that way. Then I'd be like, oh, okay, well, at least you know how that comes off, and then you can explain where you were coming from, and then we can meet you where you are. You're not mm-hmm. giving us anywhere to meet you in the middle. Yeah, no, 1,000%. It's just, it still comes off like deflection or like a, a a statement apology almost. Like where it's just like, we're so sorry you were offended. It's like, that's right, not it's like, an apology. Girl, right. <laughs> it's like, girl, we're not asking you to apologize. We're asking you to acknowledge the issue. Because who you should be apologizing to is Wendy and Candace, not us. You ain't do shit to us, but get on our nerves. You actually did the shit to them. Those are who you need to be apologizing to. What we want is accountability and change of action. Sorry, my dog was barking. I didn't want to have that in the background while you were talking. Oh, no, it's all good. Half the time, (laughs) when I first started this um, podcast, you would be able to hear my dog snoring in my lap for the episode. Oh, I've had many. I mean... (laughs) It, that's the perks of uh, doing it from your home with everything going on because life doesn't stop because you're recording a podcast. Um, but yeah, no. So, but no, I think to your point, I think it's really, it is these these types of conversations need to happen because they're relevant with what's happening in all of our day-to-day lives. It's not like we're just, none of this is happening and therefore we're just looking for it to be a situation on one of these shows so we can just make something up. It's right. that's not the case. And I feel like that happens with a lot of things. It happened with Beverly Hills with this Lisa Renna and Kathy Hilton situation for like five, six months. It was just like team this, team that. And then people weren't willing to have real conversations around it. It was just based on who people liked. So it didn't matter about accountability. It was, oh, well, I like her, so I don't care what she does. And whatever she does, whether it's mean or or not, is enough entertainment for me and I think it's funny where it's like how about just hold people accountable for their behavior right like prime example was that moment when Sutton was like none of you defended me when she called me a cunt then Diana gonna pipe her ignorant ass up and be like because you are one but how is it that y'all can stop an entire reunion and change the entire direction to Brandy saying the word cunt under her breath but then y'all, not, but then Kyle and anybody else is not going to sit here and defend somebody who they call her friend. It's wild. It. You like. was like no I have Beats headphones in so I accidentally hit the headphone and it actually like hung up and I was like oh shit sorry that's why I don't (sighs) wear headphones because I'm so I'm that person will do that and it'll be like a real like interview or something and I won't get the person back yes I am so sorry no don't be sorry I don't care but it's so crazy because like I have to wear them because like if, if I don't then like you guys can't hear me but in the actual episode I'm actually like toned down lower and you guys sound perfect 
So mm-hmm. I just let it rock because I really care about what you guys have to say more than anything. So I'm like, well, if you can't hear me, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, back to what I now. I, what were we saying right before we got cut off? You were saying something about Kyle is a douche because yeah. she's gonna say <laughs> like. Yeah, it's crazy how they have a consistent habit of excusing and condoning behavior that they nail people to the cross for which is why I've been on this whole justice for Brandy Glanville campaign because this whole past season they were they, they were justifying and and condoning Erica for behavior that was equal to and more extreme than things that they nailed Brandy to the cross for for years Oh, like, I, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, where is Brandy right now? Because Brandy could be calling out the hypocrisy in all of this because you guys crucified her season after season for using certain words, using behaviors that you guys were so offended about. Remember they were in Amsterdam and Kyle flipped out because she, she called actually, her up like, wanted her to eat the like, the, girl, the, uh, space calm case. down. Girl. You are on a damn television show. You don't work at a fucking corporate nine to five. Like, eat the damn cake and shut up. Like, we know you smoke weed with Mauricio. Stop acting like you don't partake. And now, and crazy interestingly because... enough, now Mauricio's a full-blown weed smoker. And it's fine. And Kyle's not offended. It's not how it, it's fine. I was just about to say that. Like, it's crazy how just a few years ago, she wouldn't even say the word weed on on fucking camera because of Portia. And now all of a sudden, Mauricio don't show up on camera unless he is two two puffs to the wind, champ. Do you blame him? Not at all. (laughs) I would do the same thing. I would just be like, yeah, that's cool. What are y'all talking about? I would be like, like, shit, y'all drink, I smoke. So what? Listen, these people who are smoking are not ruining each other's lives. Renna shows up looking for the boss. She don't even say hello to people. She she show up and be like, here's my coat, where's the bartender? Because she knows she's got work to do. She got work to do and she, she need her mommy juice. She needs mommy special drink to, to get her in the mood she, for the mess. She needs to pay the bills. Crazy, child. It's crazy. Let's get back to you for a minute. Let's leave these girls alone. Because, child, this is about you. We are here to um, talk about you. But I love that we get to Kiki. Yeah. We love the conversation, child. How has the Bravo fandom embraced your content and your podcast? Because we know the girls like the tussle. You know, I would say overall, I love my community for embracing like the fact that I, I, so for me, I like, I'm trying in 2023 to kind of give different elements of myself to my audience. Cause it's very professional with me. Like, I think that's, I think that's also something that they really appreciate is that I'm very, there's consistency in the way I, pro- you know, produce the content on TikTok. It's, you know, the images behind me always. I reference what I'm talking about and I stick to that and I kind of open it up. I do give commentary, but I like to open it up for everyone to feel like they have an opinion. And it's not just me being like, I don't like the way she did this and this is horrible. And if you think it's any different than that, then fuck you. I don't like that behavior. And a lot of creators 
get on a high horse. And if that's, if you're just doing it out of pure fandom, then that's fine. If, if you want to articulate it that way, for me, it's more, I'm looking to get to a place where I can be like an Andy Cohen or like, you know, a Carlos King and really have a good enough knowledge of production, the casting, the, the, the elements that go into creating entertainment and embellishing on certain things to drive a storyline, all of that. And then being able to sit down and talk to different types of people is ultimately my dream. Like something like along those lines. So I love what Carlos is doing on OWN and I know some people like to shit on it and whatnot, but that's not easy to do. And it's really a big deal that he's gotten this far with doing his own stuff. So like, that's my thing. And so I think in that respect, um, they embrace that about me because they know that it's not going to be a sloppy uh, articulation. Like I'm not going to be walking in Target while I'm telling them something that's happening. I'm trying to deliver it in a way that they almost feel like they're getting it in a professional way, I guess, if that makes any sense. So like they're getting like, real news. I'm trying to relax a little bit too. Cause when I'm on live, I'm totally like in the moment and that that's nice. It's a balance, but I'm, you know, I've got so much in the works for 2023, but I, I also work a full-time job. So it's like the balance of everything. It and to the earlier part of our conversation when you asked how I was, I'm tired if that if, if that is like, I'm just tired. Like I'm not sleepy tired. I'm not mentally, I'm just tired. Like I just feel like, okay, I need like a beat. I need a minute. I need to recharge and then get myself prepared because you know, like I said earlier, this 2023 is gonna be a lot of people's year. Like I just instinctually feel it. And it's gonna be the people that have been sitting on the bench wondering why the fuck am I not in the game yet? It's like, right. it's it's getting there and I feel it more and more. So I'm excited for that and for everyone. Like I tell everyone, if you wanna create, do it. There's nothing stopping you, nothing. Yeah you are stopping you. And I'm saying that because I was one stopping me. So it's just like now that you're on the other side of it. But honestly, I love my audience so much because if they don't agree with me, they will simply say that, but they're not nasty. Like I appreciate, unless I'm talking about Erica. Every time I bring up Erica, the Erica stands literally get some sort of bat signal and they come directly. I mean, I've gotten death threats. I've gotten people being like, I mean, it's crazy. The amount of people that are so delusional in the way that they follow some of these cast members as if they're like, it's just scary. Yeah, that's really weird. Now, into that, not into that line of thinking, what defines an unpopular opinion to you? So I think what defines it, at least for me, is saying something that you know is not going to be agreeable, but not because it's offensive, right? It's because you know the masses are not gonna agree. So like, for instance, like if I were to tomorrow start defending Jen Shaw's behavior, mm -hmm. that would be an unpopular opinion because everyone would look at me and be like, are you fucking crazy? Like <laughs> where, where? You know what I mean? But if I built it up in a way that was like, no, but see, she did do work with this group of people. And here's the timeline. I went through that motion because there's people out there that spend their time really trying to paint these like crazy dark cast members into some like Mother Teresa situation, which is like 
oddly fascinating, but nonetheless. So yeah, like that for me is like an unpopular opinion. I don't necessarily know if I'm always using my instincts to do that when I'm putting the content out on certain things. There's definitely a lot more depth that I would like to discuss with certain elements, like where I see hypocrisy or if I want to dig into like the psychology of stuff. I've been toying more with that. And sometimes that can be an unpopular opinion just because it's like, well, these are your theories, which is fine. I always preface that with saying like, this is my personal theory. It's not fact, but you know, generally between, I would say Erica Jane, oddly enough, Wendy, Osefo, um, Lisa Renna. If I talk about them in any way, their fans get very angry where it's like, now it's personal. Like it's as if like, these are their children and I just said something horrible about their mom. And I don't really go in deep on people on the housewives, like unless they're awful, awful, but I always base it on people's behavior. So I try to stick to that. I try to talk a little bit about like the nuances of certain things, but it's always touchy because you never know who TikTok's gonna send it to. Like, I don't know if you've ever noticed sometimes you, you're in a groove and you put out your content and you're on a groove, you're, you're, you're talking about a specific topic, you dug into it a little bit more than anybody else is. And you're on a vibe with your audience. Like they're waiting for your next response or asking questions and you're going back and Then all of a sudden, one of your responses ends up on the opposite side of like the opinion spectrum of TikTok. And then you get a flood of people randomly like coming at you being like, you're crazy, get a get a life, like, or whatever the, the rebuttal would be. And that always throws me off because it's like, where did you come from? That and who gives a shit? Like if I saw a Trumper person on my FYP, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I would just swipe. I wouldn't go and be like, you are a piece you of are shit. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it, that's how it feels though. It's like, as if you were in real life, you stopped someone because you didn't like something about them and you just wanted to tell them, which yeah. I'm sure some assholes do that, but. It, it happens a lot online, so. That is crazy. It is. Now, based on your definition, what do you think your most unpopular opinion has been? If I'm gonna base it on Housewives is that I think Camille Grammer was the real star of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and is the reason why it took off the way it did. That's an unpopular opinion. There's a lot of people that feel like she was a detriment to the show. I look at it the opposite. I know that like, if it wasn't for that issue with Kyle and Camille and the whole insecurity comment, we wouldn't mm -hmm. have had a season one the way that it unfolded. And I think it would have just been a dark season because it would have been Kyle calling out Kim's alcoholism. And I, I agree. think, unfortunately, I think Camille is still very much needed, I think, in the space because 
she is an antagonist, but she's not dark about it. So like a good example of that was when she was a friend of, and I love her as the friend of, because she doesn't care. She just comes in and starts shit. But when she called out Doree at the dinner table and said, I know your husband owes a ton of people a lot of money. So your whole like lifestyle is weird and fake to me. I just don't get it. Like she didn't, that is what I like about the antagonistic role of a housewife. Not like your kid's a piece of shit. And you know what I mean? Like that type of stuff where you're telling someone's child to fuck you and get the fuck out of here. Like, okay, that's not what the show's about. But yes, calling out people faking their richness on camera is very interesting to me and I'm there for it because I know that Camille knows a lot of shit about those women that is not necessarily what they would prefer to be put out there so I think she deserves to be there with them but I get why she doesn't want to be full time but definitely friend of I hope she comes back next season as a friend I agree and so do I what do you think is the difference between a controversial housewife and a problematic housewife? I think a controversial housewife will toe the line of pushing the envelope on topics, but not being immersed in them like as a personal opinion. So like for instance, it might be that someone asks maybe more push the envelope type questions like maybe they bring up race because they want to know how the person across the table feels so that could Mm be viewed as I guess that would be like more conspiring it's not like problematic to me is like Kelly Dodd (laughs) where every answer to the question is just like oh my god don't say that no 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 no. like if she has an assistant they're through the roof with her because it's like every response <laughs> to everything is another offense. You can't say that. Like, right. How is that offensive? How is me calling this trans woman a he? Why? It's biological. You got and then she's in her own fight alone and the comments are ripping her to shreds and it's just like you just sit there and you're like this is why you're not back on the show. It's not because they don't want you back on the show. We get the entertainment value of what you brought but you are saying some wild shit and you keep saying it and you don't even see the problem in your problematic behavior. So it's like, you're on your own island, girl. So go have fun on the Rick and Kelly show and, you know, God bless, Godspeed. I don't know. Very, very bad What's the biggest lesson you've learned from reality TV? Take every moment like it's going to be your last because it could be. I think a lot of times people on reality TV get on a show that's been out for a while and they think they're going to ride the wave and they miss. Like, I think if you're going to be on a show, a reality show, then show up and understand the assignment. Because otherwise, why are you here? Mm -hmm. Like, understand the assignment. Don't get on a reality show and sit there quietly because you just want to secretly promote a business and that's the only reason why you join. Or don't go on a reality show if you're really not going to share what's really going on in real time that they are filming. Like, I don't like that. Like, just recently, I think last night I was watching Miami. Do you watch Real Housewives of Miami? Have you watched it this season? Yeah. So last night I'm watching the last episode that that dropped yesterday. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a moment, I understand it's annoying in the moment, but like Lisa's turning to the camera guy and she's like, no, this is off limits. And it's like, then take your fucking yep. mic pack off, Lisa, and give it back and say you're done. But as long as you have a mic pack on, they're gonna keep following you. So if you don't want them to pick up this conversation with Lenny's mom and why she's been kicked out of the house and why you aren't there with your kids and why you keep calling random strangers to come fill in for nannies, Hello. Take the mic off, pack your bag, which she did, thankfully. But that whole night, I'm like, girl, why are you here? Why? You should have left after you got the phone with Lenny when he said, I would really like it if you found someone because I really want to do tennis lessons. And she's like, um, tennis? Fuck tennis, but fuck Lenny. Anyways, he's a piece of shit, but. Of course. Nonetheless, that's an example of like, okay, you can't do that. You're honest, you, this is what we're filming, dear. This happened while we were filming. So we're gonna wanna know what's yeah. going on with that and like how that- If you don't, evolved. take your mic pack off and, and give it back and say, home. I'm done for today. I'm done. And they're allowed to do that. Like if it's off limits, then go home and handle it. Just say, I need that's a minute. Off. I can't film this right now. It's super sensitive conversation. That's your, that's, that's perfectly okay to do, but you, but the other thing is, and what um, some people don't realize is like, you'll see housewives take their mic off, leave, but you'll be like, well, the camera's still following them. It's not, it's another cast member following them. And so the cameraman following the cast member, it's very like, that's why they tell you like, don't follow me. Do not come in. I don't need you to come in the back because they know what that means. If you come, then the camera guy is going to come. Cameraman is sitting right out Right. So it's just like this whole song and dance. They all try to play with each other, but. I'm sure production gets cussed out a lot in those types of moments because they're like, I mean, that's their job, but don't go the on hard the show. I want to talk about your shit. Okay. How do you suggest content creators contribute to the maturity of the fan base experience on social media? And do you think we even have that responsibility? I don't like putting responsibilities on like just as a general rule of thumb, I think people should hold themselves to a higher standard. Like I don't typically get in the comments and go, I don't I don't do the back and forth with people that are being nasty in the comments. I simply ignore it or I don't read it or I delete and block and move on with my life. Mm-hmm. I see on, in, and I'll say, sadly, I don't understand why, but on Instagram, the, the volatility in the comment section of some of the the Bravo fan pages is astounding to me where it's like, you're the creator. Why are you scrapping with trolls in your comment section? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like you are the creator. This is your art. This is whatever it is that you're putting out about Bravo or whatever you're trying to give your opinion on. This is your house. So why are you engaging with it? at all it's just weird to me so like i don't partake in that so i don't know if that should be a rule of thumb for everyone because i don't tell people what to do and i'm not saying there aren't moments when you see a certain comment and you just want to be like you know what that's bullshit let me let you know but then you're just like okay but tomorrow i'm gonna wake up and look at that and be like that's trashy behavior on my part for even stooping this low on the internet of all places with like the keyboard so i let it go but like i I understand it's it's tough because it, it depends on the day. It depends on what's going on in your personal life. And, you know, so my rule of thumb is try to keep it 
I don't want to say professional because that's so dry, but I mean, like, keep it as this is my content creation hat and that's not all of who I am because that isn't who we all are. We are doing these things. We put these things out as outputs, but we are creative people in so many facets. I, I don't, I wouldn't limit you to just being a podcaster. You are a creative, you have ideas, you have so many things that you probably have on your list. So in order to keep that, you've got to keep your mind focused on it. And I think that's something I feel like people get caught up in that part of it. Like the, the nastiness of the comment section where people are just clearly just out for blood. I totally feel that way. I think that a lot of people tend to take the content creation a little too seriously. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all here to have a good time. We're all here for escapism. We're all here to enjoy the art and enjoy, you know, reality television. Mm -hmm. And if it is supposed to be escapism for you, I don't feel like it should be that serious. <laughs> Just saying. Then why are you doing it? Shouldn't right. stress you out. <laughs> Like it shouldn't, st right. Like it really shouldn't be that stressful if it's something that you're doing to, you know, live and be happy. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's so fascinating to me. Always, um, I love watching other people work in this space. It's very fascinating. Right. Cause you always wonder, it's like, what exactly, like, like, like I, like I always feel like you can kind of tell what people are here for by how they engage with the audience. Yep. It's so clear because people are lazy. <laughs> you can always tell just what people are here for by, by, by like how they engage. And it's like, oh, okay. Or there's people that maybe want to create content and they may enjoy like, let's say pop culture, but they're not fanatical enough about it to give an opinion that would mean much outside of it being just their personal opinion. And you can yeah. instantly tell within the first few seconds of this person's video that they are just looking to get some sort of virality and like numbers out of it. It's not because this is something that they're passionate about. Exactly. And it's like, why go through the effort of creating a page and doing it and creating memes? Because like, it's a lot of work. Like I've talked to everybody from podcasters to reality stars to musical artists to people who just create memes on Instagram and it's a lot of work across the board like it's a Not lot of work easy. like creating memes establishing the content and you know it's a lot of work so like if you're not really trying to do it then why are you doing it you know what I mean that's exactly the point. And that's why you see so many meme pages calling out people who rip their shit off because it is not easy to A, find the picture that's gonna land with the caption or vice versa. It doesn't always land. Some memes are like, all right, I don't know what that means. But you know, right. so the, the, the pages that do it well, that is a full-time job. Mm -hmm. You gotta constantly source photos and video and try to figure out how you can make it work for what's going on now, make it relevant, make it funny, whatever. And it's just, people don't realize how much work goes into doing any of this. And I think I was just having a recent conversation with someone at some function I was at and they were like, you know, 
people don't give content creators enough credit. They just think that they just sit on their couch and post from the comfort of their bed or something. And it's like, it's quite the opposite. Like I can pretty much tell you that like I have two jobs and, or three, if you look at it, because someone's got to do the emailing, someone's got to do the scheduling, someone's got to do this, someone's got to be the video editor, someone's got to do the audio, someone's got to make sure that my mic is working today. I don't have a team do helping any of that. for me to just be like, okay, I'm here, like, let's go. It's like, no, I've got a lot of pre-work that I got to get done. If I want to have interviews, I got to look for the interviewer ease and hope that they will schedule time with me when it works for me and all this stuff. They got to promote the shit. It's not just like, that's just one leg of it. They got to promote it. Otherwise it's going to sit there on the shelf. No one's going to know about it. So you have all these elements that you have to do to just get sometimes one piece of content out. Just one. So imagine you're doing Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, podcast, you know, you're trying to make, you're trying to make things stick and you're trying to take a lot of space up on the internet and that's the goal but it's a lot of blood sweat and tears and people sometimes look at it like must be nice and it's like nice what ni- what do you nice mean where because no one's stopping anybody else from doing it it's not like we were selected exactly. this is a choice for sure i'm not complaining i'm grateful but it's just i i sometimes wonder like would y'all that say these things be able to last one day if I just handed Do over my stuff it. currently, not start from scratch. Let me just hand you what I have, give you my schedule. Let's see you do it. Let's see what your yes. outputs look like. I would love to see, like I can, I, I, I can confidently say that. Cause I, cause I do it. Like I, I record seven days a week. I put out new episodes wow. five days a week. I run five other podcasts and I'm developing two more. Like I'm starting a whole podcast network single-handedly. I host, produce, edit, (laughs) promote all of my shows by myself. I create the graphics, this background you see here, somebody had to do that. Like, Like I book all the interviews, I'm constantly on, like that's why I have two phones now. Folks think that I'm just flossing, like it's not one for the hoes. Like it's no, it's one for, for emails, interviews, content. Like this phone is only for content. Like I like like I set up the interviews, I set up the questions, I create mm-hmm. the graphics, I edit the podcast, I promote it, I do all of that from this phone. Nothing else goes to this phone but content. So yeah, and people like, don't realize it. They think that you just literally just snapped your finger somehow and just hit post and this all magically just happens and it's it's quite the opposite. So yeah, like I would love to hand somebody just this podcast alone. Just this podcast alone. Let's see you do this five days a week. Let's see you put out new episodes five days a week. Let's see you have engaging interviews. Let's see you write brand new questions seven days a week. Let's see you get out and 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 actually research the people that you're interviewing mm-hmm. and figure out how to conduct a good and engaging interview without asking really messy questions. Because I'm not, not a messy they podcaster. They wouldn't do like, that. They wouldn't. They would sit there and be like pissed off and frustrated because it's not easy and connected. Because you know you have to you have to get creative sometimes in the way that you got to get stuff done. So I imagine that most of those people would not be able to do it. They would then turn around and then further shit on it and be like, well, what's the point of it anyway? 
like get a real job like just like that whole thing where it's like oh i can't do it because i can't figure it out so then bullshit and it's just like okay well there we go you couldn't there figure it, it out so therefore it is. has is bullshit got it because you can't do it now all yeah. of a sudden i'm cap oh okay that's cute for you I or who it. do you think you are don't you're not all you know what i mean i hate i can't stand that shit it's like just fucking be happy for people man what does it right. do you it's free it's like girl it's nobody's fucking free to be happy for people that are it's in their own space doing whatever it is that's making them happy anyways i'm ranting sorry <laughs> no this is what this show is set up for like i like 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 i purposely write questions for people to go on tangent i was gonna say like, these are not yes or no am answer type questions i have you know and i talk a lot anyway that's why i have a podcast <laughs> That's why, same. That's why I have a podcast because, like, I like I used to say this on my YouTube channel a lot. It's like you you have to figure out where where the things that you, you have to figure out where the things that make you unique will help you thrive. I'm very long winded. I'm over analytical. I'm detail oriented. I'm very nosy. I'm very creative, and I care about pop culture way more than most people do. Mm-hmm. So I should probably be a content creator and do interviews for a living. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, what else would you be doing? That's what I don't like. That's what clicks for me is like, if you're not, if if you're passionate about something, it should be a no brainer that you should at least give it a shot. Just give it a try, like try it. But it's crazy how so many people are becoming more and more open to like starting their own business or starting their own like creative like venture and and not waiting for someone to knock on their door with an opportunity necessarily. It's like create your own opportunities. The internet is big and there's a lot of resources. A lot of it's free and like so. The more the merrier. Ten million percent. Yeah. 10 million percent. And I had to really take my own advice on that because, like, I was one of those people who had to, like, sit and wait for everything to look perfect and be right and have the right equipment and do all of that. I And at this point, it's like, girl, if you don't go out and chase your dreams, it's your own damn, it's your own damn fault at this point because you don't need to have all the glitz and they get like you don't have to come in with a professional setup from e-news to do a youtube channel like i do this podcast on two iphones and some beats headphones that's all you need if you're talking about what you need versus what you want two different things two different things like a lot of us want to get a podcast done i remember when i first was playing around with the idea of a podcast I remember I grabbed the the Apple headphones that come with your fucking phone and I didn't have a setup. I went into my closet, closed the door because there was the most like sound barrier in there with all the clothes. And I would sit there and it was not on video, it was just audio. And I was like sitting on my closet floor and I would just look through my notes and just record it on the memos part of my phone and then upload that shit onto like whatever I was just to see how, if I could do it and not what, but I had everything I needed to do mm-hmm. it. So it proved my point to myself. Like I was the same way. It was like, well, I don't have, I don't have this type of microphone. So I can't do a podcast. Oh, I don't have those fancy like 
unnecessary headphones that everyone wears on every podcast episode. So I can't do it. Or I don't have a fancy camera connected to my computer to make it super easy for me to just be able to drop it in where I need to. So I can't do So it's just a lot of excuses when you start figuring out, oh wait, this is a whole production house, essentially. Literally. Literally. You know? so this is an entire production company. You can't say you don't have what you need. <laughs> you do. You really can't. Because all you need is a phone, some Wi-Fi, and an app store. That's it. All you need is a few apps and some creativity and some genuine talent. Like, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. No shade. So, you know... There's the advice for people who want to, you know, get up off their fucking asses and work as Kim Kardashian. Nobody wants to work these days. (laughs) Okay, shout out to Kim Kardashian. (laughs) People blamed her for that, but I was like, where's the lie, though? No, but you know what it is. She, wrong place. (laughs) Wrong messenger, right message, wrong messenger. I know what she was talking about. I didn't really say it out loud because I do know what she was referring to in that. She really, I do believe she was not referring to the everyday working woman. She was talking about. She literally said, you know this saying, is my advice for women's business. Instagram influencers that just want everything just given to them because I'm here and I'm pretty or I'm whatever. And that's the girls not how who expect it fucking to post and just get 10,000 uh, followers in an hour. And it's like, girl, it don't work like that. Like, it no, don't, it's not it, even authentic. And you don't want to grow that fast because if you are, you're getting half those people aren't paying you any mind anyway. They just followed you for some odd reason at some point and they kept it moving. It's not, Kim came from a different time period, you know, from the late 90s, early 2000s to like, she kind of, we all did, went through the stages of social media. So now this like, wave of people that just think because they signed up for an Instagram account that it just happened. Where are all my followers? It's like, I don't, for what? We're saturated, dear. Come back tomorrow. I don't know. We have enough Try of again the, next like, week, babe. Like, I don't like, care. I mean, enough that's of why people Instagram move to TikTok. Side. People want to yeah, see like, real, like, authentic, not people polished all day, every day. We're sick of that. We've seen it for so long. Like, don't leave the house without looking like Kim Kardashian or you're going to be fucking trash. You know what I mean? So you're just like, okay, if I'm going to wear sweatpants, I got to wear some fucking cool ass shoes and make it look like it's a fucking... No, now I don't care shit. I'm girl, in my sweats and the t-shirt and I'm going to bop around and get my errands done today. I'm not going to spend an hour getting ready to go to fucking Target. People always want to look like their highlight reel. And I'm like, girl, y'all want to look like an Instagram feed so bad. And it's like, y'all not even posting where you going. Like, like I could halfway see it if it was people who like vlog their every move and like vlog their everyday move and like did all of that. That I can see. Okay, step out the house, girl, pump. Pump, boo. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's following me anyway. To... I don't give a shit. Right. Like, girl, it's like... It's, it's... I don't know. So who cares? Like, who cares? (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah, and like, for me, I've always wanted people to follow me for my voice and like what I had to say. So I've never even thought about what I look like. Like, I'm sure if you go back on my, well, in fact, I can guarantee if you go back on my YouTube channel, there are some videos where I look crazy. Like, my hair is buck wild. But like, 
there was a message that I had to get out. There was something important that I had to say. There were things that needed to be told to the people. You know, like, fo- like folks had to teach the children. So, Listen, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like, if people, if look, and I love getting dressed up more than anyone. So that's why my Instagram is just like polished photos and looks. And then I'm putting myself out on, on camera every single day to be like, I don't look like that all day, every day. Clearly, if you look at my TikTok and look at Instagram, it's like I was going somewhere in those Instagram photos. I'm talking to you guys, but I'm not gonna do all that anymore and not, get, I'm not I don't care about all that. And you do get caught up in some of it sometimes because you do have some assholes that point stuff out here and there. Like instead of hearing what you said, they point out something stupid like, What's going on with your eyebrows? Or what's going on with this? Like, <laughs> you just literally spent the entire video staring at my eyebrows. But anyways. Well, I mean, they're really good eyebrows. I've been staring at your Do eyebrows. Do you know I was harassed for like six months straight about, I was getting DMs left and right from people being like, they are the most absurd, distracting things you need to do something about like it was serious for a while and i thought it was funny because i wasn't offended by it so i'm like you're a fucking clown my i i'm not like vain but i know my eyebrows are not distracting offensive yeah uh yeah like that's ridiculous but people were like really serious about it and even now here and there you'll get one that's like go do your eyebrows but if that's the worst i don't care yeah. And anything and see, darker than that, like the those those people that really go dark, I just delete and block. I don't you can't reason with someone who's in that state of mind anyway. Yeah, so it's like why waste the time? If you don't like me, then okay, that's fine. Good for you. But watch Sarah. your mouth. No, I'm just <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, I, I'm very much a, a like love that statement. You know, appreciate Nicki Minaj because she, she's like, it's you don't have to dead. like me, but watch your mouth. Watch your and mouth. That's true. You can still that's respect me and not like me. That is a Fendi bag. Like, shout out to her <laughs> because, girl, she said, you know, you ain't gotta like me, you ain't gotta agree with what I said, but 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 watch your mouth. Yep. Because people get I crazy. Okay, like it's giving very players club. Watch your tone and keep your <laughs> hands on your head. So much. I was just talking to my sister the other day. I was like, I need to watch that movie again. And like, I was obsessed with it. I was I, I watched it when I shouldn't have, but I was obsessed with it. The whole- Listen, I was like a 10 year old watching Queer as Folk. Like we were all watching shit that we had no business watching. I knew way too much. That's all I'm gonna say. Knew too much about lives of people living in different places and doing different things, which I'm grateful for looking back on it. Cause I feel like I wasn't shocked when I walked into the real world and maybe saw something that was off color. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, what the hell is that? It was like, oh, I've seen this kind of play out in other areas before. So mm-hmm. that's what that is, I guess. But Same. You know, it is. It's like, looking back. I don't, I, if I had a child, I definitely would not be allowing them to consume that. I don't know. I always play, I don't, I don't plan on having kids. So I'll never know this answer, but. I always wonder, like, would I let my kids do what I was doing? Or is that hypocritical if I say no, I wouldn't? <laughs> I struggle with that because I have an eight-year-old daughter. So, you. I, yes. And she's at the age now where I really started discovering myself and, like, this discovering life. Like, I really remember, like, my earliest memory started eight, started eight years old. So, 
I struggle with that because I was a latchkey kid that grew up as an only child and, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of freedom. And I discovered a lot, but I wasn't really like into a lot of stuff. So like I could see myself allowing my child to have the freedoms that I had because I really didn't get into a lot. Like me being a latchkey kid and like being left by myself a lot was really how I established a lot of my creativity and really like nurtured a lot of the talents and the uh, paths to what I'm doing now. So I I could see that side of it, but then I'm like, my kid ain't me though. Like uh, too, they're diff- They're not you. They're, they're their they're own person. You, but yeah, so they might take it different. I don't know. I guess that is true. They're like everyone's different. So how would they absorb it? Yeah, and like as much as my family likes to say that my kid is just like me, I'm like, I, I, I just <laughs> see. I know my baby. She ain't just like she. She presents. She seems to be just like me because she has a big personality. But however, she's not. She's not like me. That's so fascinating. It's probably really fascinating for you to see an extension of yourself in some facets, but not the whole way through. It's buck wild. It's buck wild because in a lot of ways, I see exactly why people say she's just like me. Because in a lot of ways, if you sit and have a conversation with her for five minutes, in a general sense, like in small talk, in small doses, she is just like me. Yeah. She's an ambivert like me, though. Like, she's extroverted when she's in front of people, and then she's introverted when she's by herself. And that's that's me to a T. But the way that she evaluates and she goes about life isn't necessarily in the same thought processes as I was. Like, she's not necessarily a self-starter. She isn't somebody who's, like, passionate about things. She just goes through her phases, picks up things, puts them down, goes about the way, which I kind of love because I get really invested in things. <laughs> So like yeah. I'll become obsessed with like karate for six months and then I'll be over it. Because you so, burn like, out on on the passion part of it. I'm the same way, which is actually probably a good balance for her to pick up and drop stuff because she's realizing, does is this something I'm passionate? No, it's not. Let me go here and see if this. So that's interesting though. But it's like it's an interesting balance to watch unfold because as she grows older, you're watching that happen in real time. So it's like. That would be the only part of having a child for me that would be uh, fascinating, is that experience of watching this human grow into who their personality is, or you know how they say dogs grow into their noses? Like Mm -hmm. some children you see at a young age, you're like, that is going to be a superstar of some kind. I don't know why, but you just know, and it's just interesting to watch kids grow into their personality, like watch it all kind of balance out and figure out where they're gonna land. It's so interesting. Like, I just sometimes just sit and stare at my kid, like, because it's like, I'm like, it, it's weird to think that eight years has gone by so quickly. Like, like I remember her being this big yesterday. Like, I remember her being born and, like, laying on my chest for the first time. Like, I still remember that. Like, it was two days ago. So it's, like, seeing her and she's, like, in second grade and she's going to school now. And she's, like, too cool to be seen with me. But, like, she still, like, wants me around because she thinks I'm cool. But she doesn't want me to know that she thinks I'm cool still. Yeah, you need to chill out. Yeah, like, 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 she's, like, dad, chill. It's cool. Like, 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 she wants me there but she wants me three feet away. Yeah, like- Which is heartbreaking. It is, because you're just like, well, hold on a second. But I thought I was your best friend. 
what happened to that? Like, I thought we were homies. Now it's like, okay, we cool and everything, but like, you can be there. Like, you can she's come Kendall to the party, but don't stand near me the whole time. It's very that. She's Kendall Jennering me. She's like, you can post that I was in a fashion show, but you can't sit front row. Like, don't come to my fashion show. Sorry, no. Oh, man. It's very so that. Crazy. Like, it's so fascinating, but I, but I do embrace that she's not somebody who gets super passionate about things very quickly because I like, I like, I, I was somebody who knew what I wanted to do very early. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, what I wanted my, my career to be, and I've been pumping towards it ever since mm-hmm. in all the different co- capacities. But I see my kid really just enjoying her childhood and just going from passion to passion, going from cheerleading, going to dance, going to gymnastics, floating here, there, and everywhere. And it's fun to see her have all of these different experiences. And I can't wait for her to find the thing that she's passionate about because once she gets it, I can't wait to see, like, that's the part of me that's gonna come out for her because when she does get attached to something, she does become like a dog with a bone with it. So I can't wait to figure out what her passion is to see what she actually goes after with that vigor, so. Then you'll know how to come in and support it because then you'll know, oh, this is the thing that she really wants to go for so I can help her now. No, it's totally interesting. And I think it's a good idea. Like I always wondered, and I'm not a parent, so I never voice this to other parents, but like when parents put their children in like a specific sport or activity for long durations of their childhood, and you know, most of the time the kids are good at it, right? But then there's a point where the kid doesn't even want anything to do with that activity or sport after a while because they're so burned out from the experience of doing it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the passion for it wasn't really there. Maybe there was an interest in it. And I think an interest versus a passion is two different things. I'm interested in daily news, but I'm not passionate about it enough to start a YouTube channel and give commentary on what's happening in the news. But with kids, I think parents think it's good for them to, but I think it's the opposite. I think I would want them to do as many different activities so that they felt like they've tried out so many different like things that they can physically and mentally be okay with picking something and saying, I'm passionate about this versus only being a ballet dancer and then learning when you're like 18, wait, I actually am passionate about soccer. I don't, I mean, I like dancing, but I really prefer soccer. So I wish I would have put more time into that or that's what I'm going to focus on. So it's just interesting. That's been my mentality. I think, you know, a lot of people tell or have told me, like, I used to have this conversation with with my mother-in-law all, 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 all of the time because she wants my, my own kid to be just like me. So she's like, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, she's in dance you're in cheerleading better in this you know you're a dancer so I know that you wanted to be just like you and I'm like I want her to be just like her so yeah. it really doesn't matter like like so so like ah so, so like I would never want my kid to do the things that I'm doing just because I do them like mm-hmm. I always am like let her do what she wants to do when she finds her passion she'll pick it up trust me because when I picked up the entertainment industry and like being a performer I that nobody could tell me anything thing different like when I picked up dance I never picked up anything else once I picked up a microphone I never picked up anything else mm-hmm. like once I became a performer and like being like a personality I never picked up anything else 
Yeah. Like I've been, you know, working towards the entertainment industry since since I was eight years old, from auditioning for Disney on my own to auditioning to making the band at, at you know sixteen under the legal age limit that I didn't know because it wasn't posted on their website at the time. Shout out to mm-hmm. MTV. But um, yeah, like like when she finds it, she'll know it. And Absolutely. And the good thing is that she has someone in her corner that has been through so many different experiences that you're going to be able to navigate her. You may not have the answer to everything based on what she's passionate about, but you'll know the pillars that she must focus on in order to achieve whatever it is that she wants to achieve. So I think that's the the interesting, fascinating part of that, like the parent to child pass off. It's Mm -hmm. not the same thing that you did. You're passing the baton in a way that's giving them all the tools that you picked up on your journey that is going to help them strengthen their journey. And that, in my mind, is the point of, you know, breaking generational curses and starting better one, you know, better cycles of life and generations without all the stuff is starting in those small spaces. Like when children are interested in something, like paying attention to that and making them aware that you've picked up on that they're so because that is validating when you have an adult figure as a child validate your creativity or wow you're a really good dancer wow you're a really good singer wow you're a really good writer that means the world to a child because to them that's all the opinion that matters because they haven't gotten out into that shitty world yet. So the more that they can get of that, I think is better. You can never give too much confidence to a child. And I think confidence versus ego and uh, spoiled behavior are two different things. Someone could be bratty in the way that they think they come off to people and who they think they are. But there's Mm -hmm. definitely people that can be humbled in their confidence because it was just natural because that's what was given to them at a very young age. That was the language, rather. It was like, and, and but honestly, like a lot of parents probably don't like telling their kids, mm, you're not maybe that good at this. But being honest with their child so that their child doesn't feel like I just suck and no one's telling me that maybe this just, it's not that I suck, maybe this isn't the, the activity or the thing. So let's try this. Let's try, let's just keep. So I think that plays into so many things. And now I'm sounding like I'm talking at parents and I'm not a parent, so. No, I get it because people don't realize that I'm a parent most of the time because I'm not one one of those parents that like post their kid on social media and like talks about their kid all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's just because I come from an activism background. So I'm used to like protecting my, my um, child from the very serious shit that I get into. Yeah. Um, so it's more of just a protective mechanism thing. It's not, you know, that I don't want people to know I have a kid. I mean, I talk about it, but it's just, I don't, you know, I'm just very protective of my kid. And like, that'll be the thing I go to jail and hell over. So I'd Absolutely. rather just protect my, <laughs> I would rather just, you know, protect everybody's peace involved and just keep her where she's at and it's a no-brainer watch the proud family at home yeah it's a no-brainer now speaking of kids would you ever let your kids work for lisa vanderbilt yes (laughs) i love how immediate that answer was was like i don't have any kids i said that like take them like i have like three of them running around no i mean yes i would because i think (laughs) 
<laughs> I think for me, people may not agree with it, her work ethic around how she built builds her businesses and the way that she makes her own kids work their way up to the level yes. that they'll understand the business makes yes. sense to me. And my dad, who's an immigrant as well, like he had his own business. He was very much the same way. Like you, you're not gonna just get something given to you. You need to learn the process of what you're doing. You need to do it correctly. And you need to do it with integrity and show up when you're supposed to show up. Whereas some people that are in Lisa Vanderpump's position could just give out jobs to their kids if their kids were lazy and needed something on paper to do. And she just doesn't do that. So yes, I would happily send my kids over across the pond or across the uh, to another coast. They can go to like a Lisa, I think L LVP should do a boot camp for like people in their teenage years who are trying to figure out what they want to do and if they want to work in that industry rather like I feel like she's good at that restaurant bar she understands it very mm -hmm. well and based on the shows that she has done with you know Vanderpump rules and stuff like yeah take them go work at Vanderpump or Pump rules or whichever place sir people still go there I don't think so I don't know if people still go to sir <laughs> I don't know. You know, Chell, they, that's an intense conversation, Chell. Um, what do you think about now you're in now you're encouraging of your child working for Lisa Vanderpump. How would you feel if they came to you and said that Lisa wanted them to test for Vanderpump rules? I would ask them. Well, if you're asking me my opinion, that means you have an interest in it. So what are you looking to get out of it? Mm -hmm. Because that would determine my level of like, so if they said, well, because of the money or because it'll make me famous. Well, no, what's what else? Because that's, you could be a one season wonder and if that doesn't work out for you, what's ne you have to be doing multiple things in the same space to round yourself out. So my my advice would be, well, my question would be, what's the purpose? And if the purpose was, I want to excel as a reality TV star and build businesses off of that, then I would say, then then absolutely go for it. Totally agree with that. I you know I've had an interesting time answering that question for myself because, you know, I am raising a Black daughter, right? So if somebody were to ask me that, my immediate answer would be, um, I would give them a Joan Rivers answer and be that I, and say that I'm supportive yet not encouraging. <laughs> um, and then my immediate course of action would be to sit my child down, show them Faith Stowers season, of Vanderpump Rules. Make sure that she knows exactly how that ended up okay. for her. Yep. And then let her make her own decision. And that's the other part of it. What is the what is the landscape of this show? And let's just say it's not. Maybe it's a new concept. What is what is the lay of the land? What is happening here? What's yeah. your part in it? And how are you going to be connected? Because my other question would be like, what's the purpose of it? Are you really friends with these people? Because if you're not, then it seems like you're just going to get used and 
it could be just used as like a villain, a, a storyline for somebody else that's on the show. So there's many ways that production looks at putting people on a show. So I think to your point, sit them down and make them watch the shit out of it, of any reality TV that you can put in front of them. Do your homework. Let's start like studying this. Not so much what people are doing, but what what could happen. Because the truth of the matter is I could go on a reality show, you could go on a reality show. We could have the best exchange between the both of us on camera and we leave the experience and we're like, that was so fun filming with Sean and getting to know him, then the show will come out and they'll take all the awkward times that we didn't speak to each other at a party after party after dinner. And it'll look like I don't like him. Why doesn't he like him? And now you have the audience coming at one or both of us being like, you're doing this and that's why he doesn't like you. And the whole time we're looking at the thing like, that's not what happened. We had a great time. You're being paid to go along with this storyline. So now we got pretend like there is something maybe going on. So it's just so stuff like that that people aren't necessarily prepared for dealing with yeah. because they don't tell you how they're going to edit you. They just let you do your thing. And then they might be like, oh, here's an opportunity to have an issue. We don't have anything else going on. So let's make it seem like these two don't like each other, which happens quite often. But all those things are important for anybody who's just maybe trying to dabble in reality TV because there's, there's no such thing as dabbling. You're either gonna like tell <laughs> your soul and play the game or you're not. Or you can right. stand behind the camera and be a producer. Especially in 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 today's reality TV. Like unless you're going like, like there's not a lot of shows where like you can just pop in and pop out and just kind of just be there. Like it's either like you're giving everything or you're just not gonna be there at all. Yeah, for so, I mean, so many of them making a good amount of money, you're gonna, I don't so care willing to like, today, you're gonna be in a bad mood today. That's yeah, what we need, like, we need that today. So you're getting paid $300,000 for three months of work. So everybody out, use cuss her that. ass out and let's go. <laughs> use it as your motivation. <laughs> Now, before we go, because I have hog-tied you and held you for two hours of your time. No, it's been great conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of I'm going to ask you to play a game with me, and then I have a couple more um, questions, and then I will free you back into the wild. Okay, I love games. Okay, so I've created my own version of the game This or That, right? Okay. And I like to tell the girls to approach it very Tyra Banks, America's Next Top Model style. You have one contract in your hand and the person's name I do call gets the contract and the person who doesn't fades back into obscurity and to Twitter damnation. Oh, we're playing this game? It's gonna be like for real, for real? No pressure at all. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Now, the caveat is there are no wrong answers. So, okay. We will not debate. Ready? Sure. Drew or Sanya? Hmm. Oh, man. This is a hard one. I'm going to say. Ah, <sighs> uh, Drew. They only get harder from here. I thought that one was oh, man, for it, people. Then I'm screwed because that one was hard. Because I, no, it, I'm gonna stick with Drew. I'm gonna stick beside hey. it. 
<laughs> I freaking love that. Uh, okay. Meredith or Lifa? Um, uh, I love them both, but I'm going to say Meredith because Meredith said yes to my podcast and Lisa's yet to actually agree to a time. So I love them both, but I'm going to give it to Meredith because she actually came on. Fair that. Schwartz or Sandy? I love your face. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. I'm going to say Sandoval. Okay. Kenya or Marlo? Kenya. Kyle or LVP? Kyle. Okay. Monique or Candace? Monique. Jill or Bethany? Bethany. Gretchen or Alexis? Um. Alexis. Phaedra or Candy? I'm going to base this off of growth, not off of, because <laughs> I know people will be like, what? Um, and this is, I love candy too, but I'm going to say Phaedra because I'm, I'm, I like seeing Phaedra in her growth and I feel like she's learned her lesson personally. That's fair. There are no wrong answers here, child. There are no wrong answers here, child. Whitney or Heather? Whitney. Teresa or Melissa? Teresa. <laughs> Without a sex. Yeah, no, Melissa's been first thirsty time. since she got on that damn show. I don't care what she says. Behind Teresa's back. Just yeah, admit it just and move cop on. to it. Cop to it and move on. We can move on just with our lives. It's, just, it's like, so annoying. Let, like, put us out of our fucking misery. <laughs> like, Jesus. Deflection. Woo. The deflection of it all. Vicky or Tamra? Tamra. Jennifer or Dolores? Ooh. Dolores. Kelly Dodd or Heather DeBro? This face? I wish I actually used the video because I wish y'all could see this. I wish y'all could see this <laughs> contemplation. I really, I listen. I don't like the way Kelly Dodd speaks, but I feel like she's at least more authentic. So I'm gonna, for that sake only, I will go with Kelly. I just really cannot stand how inauthentic Heather is. It really drives me insane. That's fair. This is this is part of what I mean when I say I designed these questions to go on <laughs> tangents and cause deep thought. This is the type of shit I be talking about. <laughs> well, it's working because it's got me in a pickle with some of these these existential crises. <laughs> <laughs> Gina or Emily? Emily. Cynthia or Portia? 
I'm gonna go with okay. Cynthia. Not okay. sure how genuine I would. I don't know. There's something about Portia. She's great. I get it. Lovely, but I feel like Cynthia would be there for me. So I'm basing it off that. I agree. I never wanted Cynthia to leave. No I shade. feel like Portia would. She would call me back three weeks later and be like, "Are you good?" Yeah, like she'll like, be the person who you'll send a text <laughs> and then she'll answer the text two weeks later like, sorry, I was asleep. Mm-hmm. Been busy. Right. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Cynthia all the way. I think she's... Yeah. Yeah. Brandy or Denise? Um... Oh, fuck it. I'm going to go with Brandy. Word. I like Denise, but yeah. Brandy's a, a truth seeker. And I appreciate that about her. Same. Camille or Renna? Camille. Crystal or Teddy? Crystal. Sutton or Erica? Sutton. Bonus question. 818. Casa de Sol or Vita Tequila? Well, <laughs> this is easy for me because um, Kendall didn't send me her vodka. Um, I'm sure when Lisa hears this, she will send me her Vita Tequila, but Miss Hilton has sent me her Casa del Sol, so I'm going to go with Casa del Sol. Just saying out there, ladies, you could send me a little package. It goes a long way. Wink, wink. I'm just joking. No. But yeah, so Casa del Sol. I am a tequila drinker, though. And I have mm -hmm. heard Vita is also good. I haven't tried 818. And not because I don't want to. I just haven't. And I, I actually want to do a taste test when I have all three. Because I would love to see, like, what the real differences are. I love that. I... I'm a tequila girl. I just don't know how how soon you gonna get Vita because I've had people on the podcast who live in Utah and they have trouble getting the tequila in Utah. Really? That was my face. Yes, really. Like there was somebody who came. Maybe on that's why she didn't send it to me. She don't have any. <laughs> because she can't even get none. I guess she got to buy home damn tequila. You need to so check like, locally here in Maryland. Maybe it's better. I don't know. I don't know, but like she lives like not too far. I, I can't even say their name, but like they were saying, like go back through the podcast. You'll, I, I, I can't remember who it is, but one, but one, one of my more recent guests lived in Utah, and they were saying like, yeah, I can't, like it's hard to get a hold of it here. So I was like, well, damn, no wonder. It's oh well, when we get off here, I'm right. gonna look and see if it's even available here because I was thinking in my mind I can just go buy the shit. Yeah. But if you're saying she can't even get it in Utah, then maybe I don't have it here at all. But that's been the running joke with like Vita Tequila. It's like nobody can find it. Like we can like we only see Vita Tequila on the show. I'm gonna like, go out today. I'm gonna go to a couple liquor stores. I didn't even never even looked or checked. I just assumed that it would be I don't know why, but I just assumed because 818's everywhere and Casa del Sol and stuff. So I just I'm like, why wouldn't she talks about it so much? But now you're saying it's not really available in Utah. 
Yeah. We'll follow up. And like, I never even really thought about it because I don't drink like that. So like, I like I've never gone into a store and like thought to look through the liquor section to be like, hey, let's see if they got a little Vita up in here. Like, yeah, I just never thought about it. But I keep hearing people say they have such a hard time getting a hold of it, and I'm like, what? Like, you don't have a direct con- like. You don't I have think a direct you can order it website? from. I think you can order it from her their website. Yes, but it's just I, not in, like, I was looking store. at it just to see like what the vibe was or something. I did notice you could order it, but maybe I think on the show they just brought up though. I think they said that like the distribution part of having a liquor company is really expensive or something like that. So maybe it's like not really in store. But I thought it was. I thought the whole thing was like she, it's in all these different restaurants. Cause I feel like I've seen episodes where they, her and John go to restaurants that have Vita on, like they serve it there and she'll ask for yeah. a cocktail with Vita in it on purpose so that everyone knows that they She's carry drinking Vita. Vita tequila. Yeah. Right. Which I remember that. So I'm like, well, where? So, so let me get this. So are you just, sending a bottle of Vila tequila to the restaurants that you're planning on filming at just so they can fix you a drink with your Vita tequila? Like, do they carry it or do you just bring a bottle when you show up to send She gives like, it to them the, like the day that she's coming. She's like, make it with this. <laughs> yeah, just hand me a drink. Here, here, baby, take this and just fix me all my drinks with this bottle right here. That would Thank be you. something if she did. I would hope not because then that means what they're saying on the show about her business might be true. But I just feel like... Well, that's probably why Whitney is going on the show saying she's sucking dick to get Vita down to the Kroger. I don't know. But it just seems like... For jazz tickets? Jesus Christ. For Wait. jazz tickets. For the, girl, I, you call jazz? No. Okay, girl. No. If you could bring any housewife or reality star back to television, who would it be? And what show would you put them on? It doesn't have to be their original franchise or show that they were on. I would put Kristen Cavallari on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Brilliant. I think she is very, very... She gets the assignment. She obviously understands what goes on. However, she's a mom. She understands the landscape. And she's also relatable in a lot of ways, I think, because she doesn't live a glitzy over that. Like, she lives in Tennessee. And, like, she's very, like, homebody, like, very relatable. And I feel like that would be a nice thing to see on one of these shows. And it's a completely different world for her because it's not like what she's done before. Totally. <laughs> um, if you could say something to the head of Bravo's social responsibility department, what would it be? Do your fucking job. Let me tell you something. That is my most coveted interview. I love all y'all. Don't get me wrong. Every last one of y'all that has come on my show, I love each and every one of you dearly. You warm my heart every day. Trust me. But I could retire 
if I get an interview with the head of Bravo social media department, that is the one interview that I just, I have, I feel like I could win an Emmy off of that. Like, I, like, that is the conversation I need to have. Um, I would love for you to have it because I think a lot of people would have a lot of questions to submit for you to kind of piece together. I think, so, yes, do your fucking job, but be, take accountability for the decisions you guys are making, the people you are casting. You need to vet people and understand what you're putting them in front of. And you need to understand the consequences of that if it were to backfire and be ready to take the accountability quickly mm -hmm. and create a plan of action to solve said issue in whatever capacity that you can. And I feel like they drop the ball a lot on that. And there's always this like, let's gaslight the audience and put out a message that's like, stop coming after Garcelle's kids. And it's like, well, we weren't the ones coming after Garcelle's kids. This was paid bot farms being sent to her child's page. Also, we weren't the ones telling her other son to get the fuck out of here. It was Erica. So are you not seeing why people are so upset? You know what I'm saying? So it's that on top of, and I'll tell you why that happens. It's because people at that level, there's a multitude of people sitting under one person, I can guarantee you, that's doing all the work and there's not a lot of say on their end that they can do anything with. You know what I'm trying to say? Like there's someone like mm -hmm. me, you are actually doing all the posting. Mm -hmm. You're just getting it when you get it. So it's like, I'm me, I'm sitting up here being like, I. What's the fucking problem now? Like, they're mad about what now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the attitude yeah. that people got from... I think with Jenny, is kind of really where it hit the fan. Because it was like, why are you guys taking so fucking long to address this? Why? Oh, I, I put out so much content about that situation. I think that's when... I really... Like, that's when my relationship with Housewives and with Bravo really took a hard left. It really took a hard hard left because it was like okay I can understand somebody making a mistake I can understand somebody doing something ignorant like the reason why I was able to get around Mary Cosby making a lot of the ignorant ass comments that she made was because you could tell she wasn't like intentionally trying to be you know offensive she just said some ignorant stuff that she should have yeah. said yeah. you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. but this was the most vile and blatant display of racism that I have ever seen from any, not even just housewife, but like from any, like that's the, like any reality star. Like I can't think of a time, like that was some real, like, like, like the last time I heard of some shit like that, it was like Doug Dynasty, like, and even they weren't like that crazy. They just had some not so surprising opinions. Well, yeah, I mean, they just had people. some ignorant thought patterns that they were raised on. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that was offensive, but it wasn't like disgusting, like putting memes out like Jenny was putting that were blatant and clear. And it's confusing that none of you guys picked up on any of this until now. I think. How? 
So that's the other point in that is like, that's where I would say, like if any department is just as important as the editing and production part, it should be the social, um, the social aspect of how these shows play out and what they're putting out. Um, and I think it's important that the conversations don't, but I mean, yes, I get the shows are escapism, but this is based in some sort of reality as well. And there's supposed to be some sort of relatable factor to some of this. And if we're talking about things, race, social inequities or whatever have you, that should be a natural conversation that should be had on a show like this, because that's the whole point. Absolutely. And it's hard because, you know, we're made to the 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 people who bring up things like that, we're lumped in with the trolls and the people who are, you know, just bitching about whatever just to be upset about something and it gets lumped in with all of these things that aren't given you know reasonable attention because they may be you know out out of the box or like too much or whatever and it's like no these are valid concerns that you should be having these are like valid statements that you should be making and I don't understand how it gets lumped in with all things social media like that doesn't make any sense to me Like, it's like, we have to analyze just because it's on social media doesn't mean that it's lumped in with trolls and fodder. And then on top of that, you also have to realize that the behavior of your housewives directly can impact the behavior of the fan base. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of this behavior doesn't come from nowhere. It comes because they feel infantilized and they feel encouraged or enabled by the people they're watching because of their behavior Mm -hmm. it resonates so it's like one thousand percent i don't know it just seems like a really obvious answer to a like it just seems like there's not much that needs to be thought about it's like we don't need to have a full board meeting about this this could have been a text message this really could have been an email No, it's a quick Zoom meeting to say, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to move forward. And this is what needs to be put out ASAP. That's it. That's all. 30 minute call. Jump on it. Let's get on the same page about what's happened, what we're going to do and how we move forward. But all this days on days on days of all the fans pointing out all the, the crap. They're the ones that found the stuff. And let's be clear, like, Production tries to pretend like they didn't see any of that stuff. Yes, you did. They do thorough background checks on everything. I guarantee you production told her to mute her Facebook because they knew that that would have been problematic. And it just so happened that someone in her personal space was like, fuck it. She's she's coming off very hypocritical. Um, you know, so, but that's the way it goes. You can't, that is one thing call reality TV what you want. But if you as a cast member try to come on and lie about who you are as a human being, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Especially because it nowadays. it doesn't work. It does not work. You cannot hide that shit. You cannot. 
especially nowadays when digging up the girl's tea is the basis of people's content nowadays. Like, that's the whole premise of people's channels nowadays know, is to I get into your shit. I really don't understand at the same breath if you are about to go on a reality show, why are you not going through every fucking medium you've ever posted on? Just double checking. Make sure I didn't say some stupid shit in 2008. Like, why? Like, why do the girls not clean it's their Twitter like, account? Oh, why no, does the girls I not... forgot I posted that tweet thread in 2010. I am so sorry that I offended you. I have grown and learned so much from that point on. And I hope you will see the changes I will make to ensure. And it's just like, no, you won't. Yeah. You just got caught up in a shitty moment and just say that. It was a shitty time. It, it, exactly. I was ignorant. I was I was young. Whatever it is, but I hate the statement of like, now I'm gonna start a charity for like, this, you know, offended group of people now because that's my way of making it right. And it's like no one cares at that point. Or Jenny bringing her hired black, black friend, friend to her yeah. live to explain things for her. No, ma'am, you posted those memes. He didn't. I want to hear why you posted those memes. You know what I mean? So it's like, don't deflect now. Where was the exactly. season? I didn't see him on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Jenny. Exactly. We never saw this random person. Like, why is it now all of a sudden you got black friends now, now that you're being called a racist? Yet the you only person happened? you had a problem with that on the show was the black started, girl. Hold on. As soon as the live started, I knew it was going to be bullshit because I saw him sitting there and I was like, oh, here we go. Uh-oh. Not ch- I was like, oh, hell, not Chicken George. But girl. also he was sitting there like this, he clearly was asked to sit there, not that he was really supportive of her. It was like he was tasked with a job and he was just sitting there being like, let's get this shit over with because I'm going to get fucking trolled after this for yes. even being here. Like, I was like, Oh, this is what we doing? I was like, oh, this is what we're doing? Oh, okay. And it's crazy because I had made several videos about Jenny Wynn at that point. Or up until the, well, I had made at least one. I can't remember if, if I had made my second one at that time. But by the time that live even came up, I was blocked on her Instagram. So I couldn't even watch it. I had to go watch it through somebody's TikTok who was posting it, who was doing a live watching of it on Instagram so that I could watch it. Because I was asked to come on a panel on YouTube after it to talk mm-hmm. about it. And I, it was just, I was like, if you haven't seen the movie Get Out, <laughs> you just watched an extended trailer of the movie Get Out. I fucking am obsessed with that movie in so many different ways. Artistically, the way the stories, I love, love, love the way the stories, like Us is another one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, let's, let's dive beneath the surface of what this actually means. Yes, it's a horror film, but I love messages that are put in a way that's entertaining you but it's still very much a real fucking thing. And that's where the missing beat is from like the Jennies that make those decisions to post the things that they do, then try to come out and say, I've always been inclusive and I don't, look, look, I have a black friend that can't be me. And it's like, that doesn't mean shit. 
Right. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Because like you it goes back know to what that people really think behind closed doors. That's what I've learned. People can be nice to your face. Not everyone's going to be an asshole and be offensive right outright. But they have their method. They have their avenue that they do voice their opinion. So that was her approach. She should have just ate it and took it and did something with it. I don't know, but it just, the the live really made it worse, so. It made it all the way worse. Like, I have a, like, there's a couple videos that I've made about it, and it's just like, it just got worse and worse, like, to where I actually made a graphic of a timeline of all the lies Jenny Wynn had stated about this situation in real time. It was like 10 points or, or more, but it was just like, it was like nothing about it was cohesive. None of it made sense. It was like green, purple, orange, yellow. Like it was just like, just throwing anything out. Like it was like apples, carrots, papayas, kumquats, fetishism, racism. Like it was just like, not like nothing about it made any sense. And I was just like, mm. girl, Girl, I can't even blame you because racist gonna racist, child. You was racist before you ever got cast on this show. I blame the production and casting and all of these people for putting your ass on TV and for and forcing me to deal with you. Mm-hmm. 1,000%. Hmm. Well, all's well that ends well. Always. What is your tagline? My tagline is... And I, I don't know why it took me so long to come up with a tagline, but I I came up with one, I think, maybe a couple months ago. And it's, I, what is it? I don't like the taste of tea, but I love to spill it. Love that. I think that would be a season one opening tagline because season one, no one knows who the fuck you are. So we don't care what your little introspective tagline is. Season two is where I would probably start getting a little bit more. Like I used to make funny ones up. Like if you see me in a Range Rover, you know it's leased or like something like that. Playing up on the fact that like, bitch, shut up. Everyone leases their goddamn luxury vehicles because no one's going to be investing their money in that shit and letting it go to rotten waste and not get the value out of it. But yes, I um I need to come up with more though. Because secretly, I want Bravo to come out with a Real House Husbands of something, but it's all gay husbands. And yes. I mean, or bring back the A-list logo. Bring back I'm literally the just about to ask, did bring you watch the A-list? Back. Who do, should we revamp that? I, who do I need to talk to? Who do we need to talk to? And can we get it in, in Atlanta? Like, can we get Let's uh, do it in, in all the cities that are already with Housewives, Bravo can take it on and just correspond and, and keep do it, it like a sister keep the title A list. I don't care. You don't need to like. You don't need to call it real anything of whatever. Call it A list like it was. We get the premise of the show. It's very much a Ladies of London concept. Yeah. That's fine, but we definitely need some of that representation back on the TV. I think it was ahead of its time, if I'm honest. Absolutely. I think people weren't ready for it. I think people just were not ready to accept it. And I feel like with the A-list, it was like, it was giving us a gay answer to Housewives. It was for us. Oh, like, yeah. Like, like it was for the gays. I, 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 like, I genuinely don't even think they were trying to, like, cross over and break borders. I think they were just trying to give us the answer to give us something to, like, give us that that same type of content on their network. And which, which, which was great. But now... 
we need to see it pushed further. Like, yeah, I, want, I really want them to redo it and reboot it, not with the same people, but like, con- I like yeah. the concept of it. Let's go make this happen. Maybe I should just make some. Who? I don't even. I don't think it should be on logo though. It needs to be on like no. I don't even know. Bravo, maybe? I guess that would be the only place I could see it. Either Bravo or E. I would say put it on E or put it on Peacock. Peacock would also be a good option for it, too, because you could actually do it smaller budget and just drop, like, five episodes at a time like they did with Miami and, like, let people get really invested in it and then go week to week. That could Mm -hmm. be a good idea. Yeah, we definitely need it. Definitely need it. 10 million percent. My last question for you is where can people find you and all the things that you want to promote? Shamelessly plug, tell us where to get all of your stuff. When's the book coming? When's the TV show? When is, when are you interviewing Kamala Harris? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So um, you can find me on TikTok at Giorgio Says. You can also find me on Instagram at either Giorgio Says, which is just uh, housewives stuff. And then for more personal and housewives related stuff is Giorgio Not Armani. And then my podcast, you can find anywhere you get your podcast. I am in the process of uh, building a network on Roku platform and filming a docu-series of my own that's in the works so that's exciting but I don't really have a tentative date of anything um, of that sort that's still being uh, worked out but I am creating my own network on Roku for that purpose so offline I know you have a podcast network offline if you want to maybe learn more about the Roku side of things you could probably distribute on there too because I'm sure your network would go right on there You, you already have all the content I yes, let's have that conversation. Yeah, email me about it because honestly, I build Roku channels. I've been doing it for a couple of years now because I was fascinated by the fact that one day I think I was on because I have a Roku TV, so I like was on there one day and I noticed there's just so many like independent uh, channels on there, and I was fascinated by that. So I dug in researching like how does this, how do you do this, um, and then. When I figured it out, I was like, oh my God, this is a no-brainer. Like, this is another extension of viewership that is not internet-based. It's like strictly people that watch TV. So, but yeah, shoot me an email. I'm happy to share. Cause I like, I know you were talking about you have a podcast network of different pot. Like, that's like so many people have channels on there, like radio channels where they have like their own show. And it's just like they can do lives on it and like all this stuff. So it's like really, really super cool. So Ooh, exciting, exciting. Come on, light bulbs. I, I love know. that. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. You have made my afternoon. Oh, thank you. I, yes, thank you. Please come back anytime. I would love to have you on anytime. Once the show drops, once you finally get Kamala on, once Lisa Barlow finally sends you the Vita, back and talk about it i would love to have you on um yes thank you so much you have been amazing thank you for coming back after my little mishap with my headphones oh please are you kidding i appreciate it there's no there's no uh diva behavior it's like oh i disconnected screw it 
Um, <laughs> listen, I would not have been as mad. <laughs> I would have been like, listen, you're a very busy man. Child, I'm sure you got things to do. Honey, people to see, podcasts to record, vice presidents to interview. I'm, I'm just manifesting <laughs> that for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> listen, everyone's busy. So that's one of my things that I've, uh, last year's resolution was stop saying you're so busy. Everyone's busy. It's all perspective. You're not busier than anybody else. Everyone's literally doing the same fucking thing, just doing it differently, trying to figure this shit out. So whatever works, you know, do what you got to do. But thank you for seriously having me on. This was such a great conversation. And um, I'm going to definitely have you on my podcast because, you know, definitely want to have more conversations. And then, you know, when I do start filming for the show, if there's any way we can collaborate you to be on it in some capacity whether it's like them showing us having this conversation happy to like send you the info on it and see if you'd be open to it but um yeah i'd love to do this again and and collab are you on you're on tiktok too right um i have a tiktok i just don't ever use it because i'm the old person in the room and so i'm like listen i don't even want to be on instagram i just like i'm on social media to promote my 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 um shows but i'm not like a social media person so like if mm-hmm. i wasn't doing any of this y'all would not be able to find me online <laughs> that's pretty clear then this is the, <laughs> this is the bulk of it so that's good you have control over your like where you're floating around on the internet it's like this is what it is you want to hear from me you gotta come to the podcast yeah like like, y'all gotta come to the pod like i have content in like random places you can go to my youtube channel watch all of that content that that, that's fun but if you want to keep up with me in real time come to the come to the instagram um go go to the link in the bio it's all things me like Mm -hmm. it's very simple one-stop shop we keep we keep it real simple over here but eventually we are gonna have to grow and expand but i but i'm literally a one-man band over here like i'm literally just spinning plates and Mm -hmm. you know being a magician blowing fire and doing all of the things like you gotta do what you gotta do baby absolutely but you will be back yes we will be collaborating i'll be on your show all the things of the things so make sure all of you guys stay tuned. Make sure you guys stay in the loop, stay in the mix, stay in the frequency, all of the things of the things. And on that note, that has been our show. I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in. A special, special, special thanks to my guest, Giorgio Takanakis, for blessing the podcast. I want to remind every single one of my listeners, just like I do every show, to, to be real, stay in reality, and always bring the realness. I am Sean Ellis Rogers. This has been Real Reality Realness. And as always, I put the mess in the message. So until next time, love you, bye. Hi, thanks so much, Sean. Thank you so much, love. Talk soon. All right, bye. Bye.